we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Wake em up. Wake em up. Envy. Yee. And Charlemagne. Everybody that's anybody comes to the Breakfast Club. You know, you give voice to people that would be voiceless. Right now, your show has the pulse of the culture. Yeah. Everyone smells rich <laughs> and successful. Where y'all at now? Can't nobody tell y'all. Non-stop entertainment. The Breakfast Club. Wake your punk ass up. Your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So, so you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on the Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? This is Duke. What up, Charlotte? What up, DJ Envy? What up, brother? Peace, King. How you doing, my brother? What up, Charlemagne? Peace, King. How are you? I'm blessed, black, and highly favored. How are you, brother? Get oh, it off your time, chest. My brother, my first time on Breakfast Club, bro. I just want to get it off my chest, man. I just want to say have a great 4th of July. Everybody be safe. And don't let the fireworks turn to gunplay. Okay. Thank Damn, you, brother. That's real. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Kirby out of Houston. What up, brother? What's going on? Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. Good morning, DJ Envy. Good morning, brother. Good morning, Charlemagne the God. Peace, King. How you doing, black man? I'm doing all right. I'm coming to celebrate my beautiful black queen. All right, all right shout all right, her out. What's her name? 
I want to celebrate Isis Keller. I'm right here out of Houston, Texas, my beautiful black queen. You know, we get to celebrate 10 years in July. And I just want to celebrate her and thank her for making me the happiest man alive. Yes, I thank love you, to hear it. The happiest man alive. Okay. Thank you, brother. Hey, get it off your chest. Yeah, I ain't got nothing to get off my chest, really, man. I was just curious. I was watching Ride Along yesterday, and I swear I seen Charlamagne on there. You and did. Face just like a cop. I was in Ride Along playing a cop. People, you know, uh, had a nice little cameo. I walk out right before Ice Cube and Kevin Hart. They come behind me. Yeah, I see it now. Okay, man. Hey, mm-hmm. man, I like what y'all do, man. I listen to y'all every morning when I get off work, man. Keep it up. Thank you, brother. Hello, who's this? Yo, it's your boy Clutch coming from Dade County. What's up, brother? I want to give a beautiful shout-out to my beautiful co-worker that be camping. Ms. Johnson, her birthday coming up on the damn 18th. And to my beautiful future fiance, I'm gonna propose her ass on her birthday on the 17th. Okay, okay. Oh boy. Wow. All right, all right. Proud of you, man. Is it a surprise? Because if it was, no, no, no. She at work right now. She don't listen to a radio station because she'll get fired. But you know, what if one of her friends or family you? members tells her? They, they ain't gonna do that. Shit. I got all their numbers unlocked. I'll <laughs> they, they ain't gonna do that. Shit. All right. Stop man. cursing. Yeah, you cursing a lot. Oh, I apologize. Have a good one. Hello, who's this? Yo, it's uh, Lee from Naptown. Hey, what's up, brother? Get it off your chest. Well, I want to get it off my chest. Well, as I got a question. So I ended up buying a, a motorcycle, and um, it, needs, it has some stuff that needs to be fixed. I ain't giving you no money for your goddamn motorcycle. We ain't, no, don't even, have, don't even put your cash app out there for that. I see where it's going. No. Listen, no, listen, listen, listen. So, I mean, it's kind of I'm kind of heated, like, trying to keep my cool because, like, it was some money I was saving up for my birthday. And it was either vacation I'll get my bike fixed. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get my bike fixed. So apparently all the stuff that the dude said he did, he didn't do all of it. So he got me out of like like damn near 2000 And I took it to a different mechanic. And he said, you know, well, this piece, like, this piece is not new, this and this and this. So I'm just wondering, like, what do I do at this point? Like, Soon. is it anything I can do? Can't you sue him? Can't you, can't you get I mean, one of these? Don't they got attorneys that handle business like this? Do you have a contract? When you signed it, is there, like, what? Do you have some type like of written got, anything? Like, like, I got, like, invoices and stuff, but okay. not necessarily, well, I guess not really necessarily a contract. If, uh, he, if he promised you that he was going to do some work and he didn't do the work, I'm sure that uh, there's some legal action to be taken. Have you, looked at, have you looked at the reviews for his company, too, to see what other people are saying? Uh, yeah. I mean... I, I didn't really see too much negativity because I mean I'm I'm normally a person kind of stickler about that. So I did some research and I mean it seemed legit. Okay. But so I took and there's the like, Better Business Bureau too that you can also do a complaint go. there. That's what it's called. There you go. Okay. But I would let him know. I would be like, look, this is what you did not do. And I like to put things in writing. So I would send, I would call and I would send an email detailing what he did wrong, what should have been done, what wasn't done. And also let him know that you do plan to take action. Good luck, brother. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This Power 105.1. The Breakfast Club, Envy, Angela Yee, and Charlemagne the God. I'm telling, I'm telling. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm telling. I'm calling call you. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. <laughs> Hello, who's this? 
Yo, the Dominique from Duval. Dominique from Duval. Duval. What's up, brother? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Y'all want to get off my chest, give a shout-out to my wife, man. She be busting her ass all week long cooking, man. Oh, y'all follow her on Instagram at the D-A underscore pretty brown underscore show. Okay. All right, why, why she busting her ass cooking this week? You know, she's a uh, personal show, private show. Okay. Most correct. Congrats to her, uh, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good morning. All right, brother. Hello, who's this? Hey, good morning. Um, This is Clay calling from North Carolina. Clay, good morning. Get it off your chest. Yes, I would really like to thank y'all. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say good morning, DJ Envy. Good morning, uh, Charlemagne the God. And good morning, Miss uh, Yee. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Um, peace, peace, my guy. How are you? I'm doing great. Blessed and highly favored. <laughs> but, there you uh, go. I would, but I would like to say thank you to you guys because you guys don't really know the impact of um, what you guys say and um, on the way people listen to you because I just recently bought a house um, here and um, every morning I used to listen to you guys and when um, DJ Envy used to talk um, about buying a house, I used to listen. I used to tell everybody in the car, shut up, shut up, shut up. I need to hear this and everything. And I never took one of your classes, but I used to listen. And one thing that you used to say about that credit, you got to get that credit right, you know? And um, I recently bought a house back in October, and um, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Well, congratulations, brother. Congratulations, That's brother. That's what we try to do, man. We try to encourage things that we learn outside in this world. We try to, you know, make sure that we teach our people and, and try to explain to our people. We don't know all the answers all the time, but we just try to point people in the right direction, brother. But you guys really got an um, impact. And Miss Yee, um, you know, a lot of a lot of these young girls are really listening to y'all. You know what I'm saying? You. So um, just keep doing this, y'all. And I, me personally, I thank you. Thank All you. Right, we appreciate you. Love, brother. Now, shout to, um, you know, July 31st, Caesar and I are doing a, a seminar in New York, the Jacob Javis Center, where we're going to be talking about real estate and breaking down, you know, how to get into it, starting from credit repair. And we're actually going to do something special. We got a, a bunch of brothers coming through. I know the brothers from EYL will be stopping through. And we got credit repair. And, and we're going to be talking about hard money loans and, and conventional lenders. And also, I know um, the brothers from EYL are doing uh, Invest Fest again this year in Georgia. So if you can't make it out to the Jacob Javits Center July 31st, uh, make sure you make it out there. And these are just you know ways where you can learn the game, learn the business. Uh, I, I like what EYL is doing because they're doing something similar to what we're doing, where we're not trying to charge people three, four, five thousand, ten thousand dollars. Because I always say, if you got if you got that much money to spend on a course or a class, I'd rather you just buy the house. So we're really both of us just trying to teach our community how to do it, how to build generational yeah. wealth. And Invest Fest is uh, August fifth through the seventh in um, Atlanta. I'm, I'm actually going to be there. Okay. Yeah, as well. So salute to salute to EYL. So definitely get your tickets, Jacob Javis Center, July thirty first, uh, and uh, or you can, like I said, Invest Fest in Atlanta. Get it off your chest, 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up. And, and you can hit me in, in uh, my um my link in my bio because I'm going to be at InvestFest as well. So either or, you can check you it out. You a sneaky link? What? What? Me and you That's together? how it sounded. You can hit me. You can hit me. I got my link in my bio. You're going to be with me. So what do you mean, sneaky link? Yeah, you little sneaky link. Yo, shut up, man. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Get it off your chest. The Breakfast Club. Up. 
The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, indeed. From Bel Air, we have Jabari Banks. Welcome. Yeah. What's going on? How you feeling, my brother? I'm great, man. How y'all? Man, blessed black and highly favored. Yeah, exactly. Blessed to be here. Blessed to be with y'all. This is incredible. That's right. Congrats on uh, the success of Bel Air thus far. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Did you feel a lot of pressure having to play such an iconic iconic role? Yeah, definitely, definitely the mm-hmm. pressure. But, you know, um, many talks with Will, many talks with Morgan Cooper, our creator, and, you know, they just reminded me to, to just be me, be me, you know, mm-hmm. bring myself to the role. And, you know, it's exactly what Will was doing when he was being the Fresh Prince in the 90s. You know what I mean? He wasn't mm-hmm. trying to be nobody else. So that's what I had to do. How'd you get into acting? Uh, I got into acting in high school and uh, I sort of, you know, was just like dollying around and then I went to college for it because my mom needed me to go to college and I was like, I'll go to college for acting and then... Where are you uh, from? I'm, I'm from Philly and I'm from Maryland. I grew oh, up from both Philly. Places. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, West Philadelphia, born yeah, and raised? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's crazy because I, live, I <laughs> lived in West Philly with my Uncle Phil. Wow. But his name is Get James. Get the f*** out of here. Jabari, stop. Hold I don't believe that. Listen, listen. His name is James. James Brogan, right? Yeah, okay. But we called him Phil because he lived in Philly. And I lived with him for a long time, and so um, that's why. Cause you know, Uncle Phil's real name was James, James. Avery. James Avery. Yeah, yeah. So wow. a lot, there's a lot of instances within the show, not just me, with everybody in the cast. You know what I mean? That kind of like intertwine them with the story. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I went to school in Philly, at University of the Arts, and then I fell in love with it. Then. So did you tell people that story? Like growing up being from Philly and having an uncle named Phil? No, nah, it didn't. It didn't make sense. I mean, it didn't okay. really register. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't really tripping off of it until. Everything clicked, and then it was like, oh wow, like every part of my life has sort of led up to this. Wow. You know? Wow. Now you were a Fresh Prince fan, I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, all yeah. right. Now, uh, according to the PhillyVoice.com, uh, the director, Morgan Cooper, he had a $25,000 budget to do, to do a feature film yeah. teaser yeah. for Bel Air yeah. with, with different actors. So, how did that turn into this is going to be a show? Well, so basically, you know, Morgan put the trailer out, yep, you know, I just out it. of love and out of yeah. a pure place. You know what I mean? He was just like, I love the Fresh Prince. I want to see this. I want to tell the story that I want to tell, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and he just, he took that and he put it on YouTube. And I think within the first day, Will's company, Westbrook, they hit him up and, you know, they were like, we want to, you know, talk with you and develop this thing. And, and you know, mm-hmm. I think a, a couple weeks after that, he was sitting with Will and he was talking about, you know, where we want to take this story. And, uh, you know, years down the line, here we are. Totally different tone, though. Totally different tone. What did you think break when you down. saw that? Yeah, break that down. Break down, if people haven't seen the show, the differences between what we've seen as a kid, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and right. Bel-Air. Yeah, well, you know, Bel-Air uh, 2022 version is a dramatic retelling of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, mm-hmm. uh, the quintessential 90s sitcom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's all the characters that we know and love, but basically we get to dive deep into who they are and the actual stories that are going on in their lives. And... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a modern day retelling of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, and you, when you think of the story, you know, our our our, um, our showrunner T.J. Brady, he said it perfectly. He was like, "We all know the story of the Joker, you know what I mean?" But when we see Joaquin Phoenix uh, do what he was doing, it was like, "Did you really think about it?" You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah, so, yeah. like, we yeah. we get to see the story. We get to see how Will ends up in Bel Air, and it's gonna be super exciting for like old fans and new fans. And man, it's it's been crazy to love around the project. Yeah. Did 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 you were you afraid to turn something that I guess we're so happy. So I'll call it bright. I'll call Fresh Prince of Bel-Air bright. Were you, were you afraid to turn something like that dark? Nah, I wasn't okay. afraid of it. Because um, when I had seen Morgan's trailer, I was like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. And, I'm, and I'm like, I was like, I watch that. You know what I mean? And so I think it's, I think it's important because it's a reflection of, of, of our world. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's important to see that. How hands-on was Will Smith during the taping and all that? I, I always say this. It was, it was great that he wasn't because he really gave us, he, he really left the, our 
retelling and our creation of these characters to our own volition. You know what I mean? And so that allowed us to create these, you know, characters that ourselves are in. You know what I mean? He didn't have his thumb on it hella, you know what I mean? And so I feel like that's what I appreciated about him. But, you know, he definitely gave us a lot of tips. What about the other characters, Carlton and... Yeah. All of them, did any of them come on set or did, did, yeah we, we had some we had some, we had a few talks with the original cast so mm-hmm. uh it was definitely a blessing to to get their blessing and to see that that torch pass you know what i mean i always wonder you know uh if, if and i would love to ask will this but maybe he told you mm-hmm. i wonder would he have played that character differently now because you know he, oh he's older now and he always says that back then he was he was pretending to be somebody he wasn't right right so i wonder would he play that approach that character different now definitely yeah. I feel, you know, like when he when he was, you know, doing the Fresh Prince thing, he had no acting chops at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so he was just kind of up there just trying to figure it out. And uh, I definitely think knowing what he knows now, it mm-hmm. definitely would have been different, but it wouldn't have been as raw. So you, you, know had, I mean? you got acting chops. So you weren't doing what Will, because when he said Will used to be saying everybody's it lines. It was a little different for me. Yeah. It was a little different for me because I was a theater actor. Oh. And so I this, this is my first time being in front of a camera, mm-hmm. in front of a 40 person, you know, camera crew and uh and so that was definitely a learning curve for sure how'd they discover you uh just you know i just sent him my audition you oh. know you know with uh i had i had a manager i had an agent um that i got through a showcase mm-hmm. and uh you know they sent me the call they were like yo there's this show called bel-air and for this character will and i was like hold on bel-air will what and then i saw the call and i was like okay okay i could do this i knew it was me i just had to prove to everybody else but i, I thought that they wanted like a big name you know what I mean? I thought that they wanted somebody who was recognizable to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get this role. But, you know what I mean? I just had to surrender to the whole process. And uh, and so I sent him my call. And uh, and uh, a couple a couple weeks down the line. What did you have to do on that first tape? Do you remember? Yeah. It was what, a couple, it was a couple of scenes. No, I didn't have to rap. No, no. I just... Uh, I just, uh, it was it was a couple of scenes. It was actually a scene with LeBron in it. Mm-hmm. LeBron was supposed to be in the first episode. Really? But, you know, it was, you know, budget and, you know. But well, he was, was supposed to be playing one of the people you were playing ball against? No, no, no. no. Oh, he was to be at a Bel Air party. He was like, yo, that's LeBron. Oh, you gotcha, know what gotcha. I mean? Was, so I did a scene where LeBron was in it. Um, and I I mean, as, as soon as I read the scenes, uh, when I first got the script, I was like, oh, this show has something to say. All right, we have more with Jabari Banks. He plays Will Smith in the new series, Bel Air. We'll talk to him some more. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Oh, wake up! Power 105.1. Envy, Angela Yee, and Charlemagne the God. It's topic time. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with The Breakfast Club. Talk about it. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you're just joining us, we're talking about some of the fattest things you've done. I'm not going to lie, bro. That pizza slice with that shrimp fried rice on it got me like, damn, I bet you that's amazing. And if you like roll the pizza up like it's a uh, like a pizza roll, like you put the shrimp and then roll it. Oh, Lord. Hello, who's this? Hmm. Hey, this all is well, man. Good morning time to you. Peace all, all is well. Good morning. Oh, man, man. I did the fattest thing ever last night. I went to Food Line, got me a box of them ice cream Snickers. I went and got me a box of the ice cream Klondike. And then I topped it off with a, a diet root beer. <laughs> you wildin'. How much you weigh, King? Why you get the diet root beer? You might as well just go all the way in. I got it by mistake and I laughed. I thought I had it. I was in Charlemagne. I was in his town. Were you in Mount's Corner? Mount's Corner there. Come on. You went to Pickle Wiggly? Where you went? Pickle Wiggly? I went to Food Line. 
Oh, I love yeah. Food Line. Listen, back in the day, when man, getting a, if you had like two dollars and you go in the Food Line, you can get you a box of Lil Debbie oatmeal cream pies and one of them big three liter sodas for ninety nine cents. The generic brand now, not no name brand now. The, the Food Line brand. <laughs> My goodness. Yes, indeed. I did something fat. I was thinking about, oh, man, I got to call y'all back. You know, I was the originator writer of the song, Girl, You Know It's True to Y'all Boy Kevin Lyles. That's how he got on. And when y'all had that Tell Him Why You're Mad, I'm going to share that with y'all. What, Millie Vanilli? What, what, you wrote the Millie Vanilli song? Yeah, I'm from Baltimore, the Baltimore Newmarks. Come out, and I relocated to South Carolina. Well, on the credits, it say Kevin Lyles. Kevin ain't write that song. Kevin ain't did <laughs> the beats. Kevin just took the song and ran from Baltimore and got on with Def Jam. Come on. I'm here to share it this morning. I mean, it don't matter. He won. <laughs> Kevin, yeah, he won. <laughs> they, just sold, they just sold 300. What's your name, King? 300 for All is well. All is well. Well, <laughs> don't sound like it. <laughs> but <laughs> I appreciate you, King. Well. Yes, hey, I'm down here. I got my trucking company. There I'm you go. There you go. Okay. You yeah. living. Got, got one of the biggest houses in Mount's Corner. Come on. Where you live at in Mount's Corner? I'm on old 52, man, down there from WW. Okay. Got big lots and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I know exactly so where you're at. The biggest house in Monk's Corner. I ain't mad at you, bro. I know exactly where you at off old 52. Well, congratulations all as well. Salute to you, King. And salute to y'all. Y'all keep up the good work, man. Y'all keep it cool on the stool and keep us laughing in the morning. Come on. That's right. And remember, happiness is subjective. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, people always want to put a dollar amount to happiness or, you know, what you're doing in life. Whatever you're doing in life that makes you happy and you making a living, you successful. Hello, who's this? Successful and happy. There you go. Hello, who's this? This is Jasmine. Good morning. Jasmine, good morning. We're, we're talking about some of the fattest things you've done. I just need to make sure this is a judge-free zone first. Of course it's a judge-free zone, judge always. Zone. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in Virginia. Me and my friend, put it like this. We drove from, to put it in perspective, Norfolk State to VCU to get a to go to a ladies restaurant that went viral for baby shower plates. <laughs> baby shower plates? What are you talking about? <laughs> she went viral. We have found her on um we found her on Facebook and she went viral because she was selling baby shower plates. It was like at the beginning of COVID. Oh, so you went to go find that food. <laughs> when I went to go find that food, we drove from Norfolk State up to VCU. We couldn't even go sit down in the restaurant. We had to sit our fat Hell, I ain't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> in the car and eat the food. <laughs> Was it worth it though? Absolutely not. I could have, I could have made that shit home. Damn, oh, goodness gracious! But she listen, you had a out. great, you had a great experience with your friends. It was a memory, you know. It that's was right. A memory. That's right. And, and that's what, that's what, that's what it's about. It's about food, fellowship, and and friends. That's what food is for. Isn't that what food does? That's exactly. right. That's exactly. right. That's right. Thank you. Exactly. Hello, who's this? It's fresh. Fresh, what up, man? We're talking about some real fat boy ish this morning, man. What's the fattest thing you've done? Uh, I ain't gonna lie, bro. I'm only like 160, but everybody who know me call me fat. They, they say I'm fat in spirit. How tall? <laughs> fat, fat in spirit. spirit. I ain't gonna lie, like the fat, the fattest <laughs> thing for real, bro. Everybody say I'm really like probably six eight two fifty because I I do everything fat, bro. Last week I did, I ate some oatmeal because I don't want to wait on it to cool off. I put it in the freezer for about five minutes. I don't see nothing wrong I do with that. that with pizza though. Yeah. You do that with pizza? Yeah, pizza be too hot. I just put in, I put in a little fridge for about I maybe I love pizza hot. I need it to seconds. burn my mouth. All right, so what about this? I microwave my ice cream. 
Now that's just ridiculous. Now that's just stupid. Yeah, that's now, now I do microwave it a little bit if it's too hard. Now, when you put that spoon in there, yeah, you feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that now. You microwave. I do that. Ice. No, no, I do that because you want your ice cream. I like you got want it to be soft. You want that spoon to just go right through it. Yeah, you don't want it to be rock hard. I don't microwave it though. I just put it on the counter for a little while. <laughs> that's what you have to put on the yeah, counter. I don't, I don't microwave it. Nah, man, I give it about fifteen seconds in the microwave. Right, I get there. Okay, right okay, okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right. All right, man. So now y'all feel fat, y'all hungry like I am? What's, what's the moral of the story? Man, food is amazing, bro. The, the moral of the story is, you know, I, I think your diet is a bank account. And good food choices are good good investments. And it doesn't sound like y'all making good investments. Like, I, I was talking about we just random things. This sounds like this some of y'all regular everyday diet, all right? So just make sure you're making, uh, you know, good food choices to make good investments. That's all. But, man, food is life. Well, I love food so much. Absolutely. Lord have mercy. We all fat. We all trans fat, bro. And we just need to accept it. Don't nobody really like eating healthy? No. No. Oh, healthy could be delicious. That's not true. Sure. It definitely is. <laughs> it don't taste like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't sure. <laughs> it don't taste like them. them sure. Them Man, the juices donuts. at Juices for Life, those like are amazing. It's like dessert. They're good. Yeah. But they taste nothing delicious. Tastes, nothing tastes good like them. Things. Mangoes. Oh, my God. I love a good juicy mango. If all this Grapes. stuff we really love to eat was healthy, like if there was, if, if Krispy Kreme donuts kept us alive, guess what we'd be eating this morning right now? <laughs> <laughs> I tried you know that. I mean? If Chick-fil-A is what gave us muscles, guess what we'd be eating this morning? You remember what I used to eat every morning up here? And I love sauteed saute spinach with garlic. Yum. All right. Well, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We yeah. are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Daytime talk royalty. Tamron Hall. Welcome. Who, what? Where'd you get that? Who wrote that? I love my mom for sending that in. Thank you, mom. She listens to The Breakfast Club. Good morning, mama. Good morning, Ms. Hall. How are Hi, you? I'm wonderful. How about yourself? I am blessed, black, and highly favored. I love that. I am feeling the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good What's, to see you. Thank you. This is my first time in your studio. I know. We it's did like a, Zoom, a right? stimulation oh, like, like, overload. Zoom, yeah, yeah, we did Zoom. So I'm I, I'm one of those people because I, it's not the cleanliness. Very I see underwhelming, stories right? stories behind everything. That's right. Oh, yeah. DJ Envy, you and your wife are going to be on my show soon. Yep, yep, I yep. can't wait. Oh, we're excited. Super duper excited. I oh, love man. this. Oh, there's a lot of alcohol. <laughs> it's all for props. Yes, yeah. But you don't... What, Oh, oh, oh! You do have the um, Puffy sent me a monogram vodka. I never opened it. Vodka? You guys have oh, one Ciroc. too. Yeah, Ciroc, yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, you have one yep. too. Yeah. So yeah, if it has your name on it, you know, you kind of got to. I guess you're not supposed to drink those. I didn't drink it. I just left it there. Mm-hmm. It's it's for prop, like y'all's. That's right. But it's cute. Now, how, was it for, how was it for you doing the show during a pandemic without an audience? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it, I mean, it was terrible. I know. I, I had Seth Meyers on the show the other day, and he said. He enjoyed it because it allowed him to connect more with viewers in the way he didn't expect. I think the first half of it, I said, just thank God we're on air. Mm-hmm. Like, we're on air because we would be canceled otherwise. So we have a chance to stay on. And then when we went back in and had to go back out this last round when Amara Omicron. 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 I'm a journalist. And I, almost, I did. <laughs> I did. You call me out. Doing that. I know. And I'm a journalist. I should know better. But that second wave in December, I had to go back into my home and do the show. And it was miserable. And I realized, and you all know this, and, and Charlamagne, especially with your shows, it, it is having an audience is, it's like the Ten Commandments is one of the That's rules right. of daytime. You have to have an audience. I, I My first time even attending a daytime talk show, I went to Temple University and I came 
to see Geraldo Rivera in person (laughs) way back when he had a talk show. Mm -hmm. And it just it's a part of the energy. So, yeah, it was rough. I did not like it. I wonder when you went to go see Geraldo back in the day. Is that when the bug hit you? Did you Absolutely know? Absolutely not. No. No, not at all. <laughs> Did you ever see his show? Yeah, yeah. Like people throwing chairs. No, yeah, yeah. no, no. I was a college student at Temple, and they, you know, they would always recruit young audiences mm-hmm. to come mm-hmm. in, and we were here. Uh, two of my best friends are from Brooklyn. And they went to Temple, and so we just did what college kids do. You come mm-hmm. to New York, you hang out in Times Square, you got free tickets to go to a show, and it happened to be Geraldo Rivera's. Uh, so when did you get the bug? Yeah, that when did you see it? yourself? Um, when did I get the bug? When did I get the bug? Well, um, I would. I was born. If I, if you ask me what I would be doing right now other than this, I jokingly say. Uh, blackjack dealer, but I don't even know how to play cards. I, I didn't that, have a. I don't even know how to play cards. I can't play spades, and I'm from the south. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> you can't play I don't know how to play spades. I am an. Im- I don't know how to play dominoes. I'm an embarrassment. What about Uno? Can you at least Uno? play Uno? I don't Uno. play board games. You went to t- a Uno card is not games. a board game. What is it? A card game. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't play cards. I don't. I was never one of those people. I don't. I don't play Monopoly. I think I do. Ch- what did y'all do as fun in college though? Because that's the a lot thing. of good stuff. Like we played spades. We played cards. Not me. You didn't go. Wow. to Class? I did not. Not a lot. Oh, house music parties. We used to hang out at Penn a lot. Uh, the Penn parties, the Mitten Hall parties. Uh, but no, I never played cards. So I don't even know how we got on that one. But yes, I'd say blackjack dealer. But no, I never had a backup plan. It, this was always uh, what I wanted to do. I think early on, Johnny Carson's show mm. was something that was in the background. But I quickly realized I wasn't a white guy mm-hmm. and named Jimmy or James. And so that late night world throughout my entire career was really just a white guy. And so Arsenio. Arsenio yeah. And I think I think maybe seeing Arsenio, obviously Rolanda, obviously Oprah, Phil Donahue, but they all had Rolanda. different. Wow. Remember Rolanda yeah. Watts? Yeah. People forget yeah. how important she was in the marketplace. So it was there wasn't a moment. It was just I felt like I didn't have a choice. It was the I was this is what I was going to do. And I didn't know it was going to be a talk show. I knew I was going to be a journalist. I love writing. I love reporting. The talk show thing happened, as you know, because I got fired. And mm-hmm. so I had to figure out how was I going to get back into TV and not feel as owned as I had previously. If you hadn't gotten uh, fired from the Today Show, mm-hmm. do you think you'd ever gotten into daytime talk? No, because in daytime talk, any shows, you know, this just with y'all's show, it's almost like the Rocky syndrome. Mm -hmm. People need to root for you. And in talk show world, they need to root for you. They need Mm -hmm. to feel a connection with you. And so while I did have a great run, I feel, at the Today Show, and even before that in Chicago for 10 years, because I was recruited to come to the Today Show after being on air in Chicago, but uh, no, because you you have to have an art. Every you mm-hmm. know, it's it's like a superhero. You need mm-hmm. like I had the ultimate nemesis in the person that they selected, mm-hmm. even though I'd never met her and and never crossed paths with her. You have that juxtaposition. Clearly, I watch a lot of superhero things. But you have, <laughs> <laughs> so you have a juxtaposition of a villain. You have your story arc, your your origin story. Mm-hmm. So what was my origin story? Is I got fired, and as a black woman, being forty eight years old. And being fired, that hit a nerve with people. What is she going to do? How does she come back? And that gave me opportunities to get in rooms. But if I'm being honest with you, and I always will be, Harvey Weinstein got me in rooms that I was never going to be able to get in. Um, He was the most important person in Hollywood, and he decided he wanted to produce a talk show with me. And Mm -hmm. so people started taking meetings to hear the pitch 
because of Harvey Weinstein. And then midstream, Harvey was accused of rape, and which I learned over a text message. Someone anonymously texted me and said, uh, there's an accusation of the R word. And I was like, R word? What does that mean? And then it all... So what happens there? Because he helped you with your career. But on the other no, end, he helped me get meetings. Helped I helped me with my career. Helped yeah. you get meetings. Yeah. But on the other end, he's, you know... Accused of sexual it's assault all, all through the place. So do you just step back and say, look, I'm going to mind my business because I don't know. And he's helped put me in, in certain I didn't rooms, know or... what to think. It was like an emotional grenade. Mm-hmm. I'd never been in a room alone with him. So the first part was, thank God, right? Mm-hmm. Then the second part was, wait a minute, did the people who came with me in the room, did they know? And is that mm-hmm. why they didn't leave me in the room? Mm-hmm. So there were these many, many questions. And then, I'll be honest, um, came the moment where I, I was worried about my own survival and then I felt guilty not it wasn't that I didn't care I would never say that but there was a moment where you think my career oh my god what happens Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. I don't have a job now I've been in the room with him now I'm tied and linked to him and this show will never get off the ground because 99% of the people we were pitching to were white males of his level if you will mm-hmm. who were not necessarily open to an idea of a talk show with me especially and a black woman black woman because yeah. there hadn't been one right wendy had the longest running talk show outside of oprah there'd been here and there but if you look at the long list of daytime talk shows it's largely white men and women who these syndicators believe could appeal to quote unquote mainstream And so even though the best who'd ever done it and the most successful in daytime was a black woman who actually didn't have children. She she knocked off all of the stereotypes of what's uh, what's relatable. So now I'm linked to him. I'm worried about my own survival. I am my backup plan. I'm thinking this I'm, I'm screwed. And then I had to take a step back and say to myself, what about these women who are making these allegations? And I know just like with Bill Cosby, who spoke at my graduation, who I replaced on the board of trustees at Temple University, even if you don't believe half, all of them, if you have half and then half that half, you have at least one or two. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's at least one, one. person. And if there's what, one, that's one too yeah. many. And that's how I looked at it. So I had to take a step back. And the minute that I started thinking about what it must be like for them, it's like, the floodgates open my my confidence i said i'm going back in these rooms i'm going to rewrite letters to all of these people and say you let me in the room with him now let me in the room by myself That's right. and let me pitch myself and so some of them uh said yes some said no as a spiritual woman that had to like really psychologically that's god working in a really mysterious way right it wasn't so mysterious i yeah. actually felt like it was a clear sign that you know, Lena Horne had a quote that was in this book, Stormy Weather, and I have a, gr- a great obsession with Lena Horne. She said something about white men getting you in rooms that you can't get yourself in. Mm-hmm. And that's how she felt at the time. And ultimately, that's not true. People will let you in the room. Um, I think you have to just keep beating down the door over and over. You, We are all in this business that we know. You walk in and you're instantly stereotyped. You're instantly... Uh, assumed to be something. Yes. And so I wrote back notes. And I learned how also, I, I used to tell people, I definitely channeled 50 Cent a couple of times in. <laughs> I became no longer afraid to brag on myself. Yeah, you know, you have your own merit and you deserved it. But we shrink it down. Right. I mean, we all do. But women, we especially the do time. in these meetings. And so then you defer to laughing at jokes that aren't funny or your presentation changes a lot. And so I said, 
I'm 30 years in this business. I'm going to run my resume down. And I, I, I really did channel every hip-hop artist that you, male <laughs> that you could imagine. And I specifically zeroed in on men because they get a pass at saying some of the things that women can. I went in very, very hot. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this is who I am, mm-hmm. and this is what I did. And if I have to explain myself, and I'm sure that was a turnoff to some people, but other people received it with the intention of, if I don't stand up for myself, who is? And that's how I played it. I, I always wonder about daytime television. Like, even though Oprah should be the bar, right? Yeah, she is. Black woman who defied every yeah. stereotype, yeah. weird name, some would say, yeah, she you know, it, yeah. looks everything. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't they continue to look for more of that instead of just going cookie cutter like they did? I don't understand it. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It is something that I, goodness, it is, they want it daytime, I believe, not they. Some people want it daytime to be white. Um, It's like Fort, I call it the Fort Greene syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it's that you have this neighborhood and for it to be of value, some people believe that it has to be white. Gotcha. And so as a result even though the audience is largely all women of mm-hmm. all different backgrounds. Our show is almost 50-50, 50% African-American, Latino, Asian, 50% white. So we have this beautiful diversity just straight down the middle of this show. And though we have to happen to have one of the highest income earning daytime shows. So these are people, mostly women, who buy and who have huge purchasing power but there will be people who say 50% African-American. That's not the audience we want. And you know they still say that. You know Absolutely. that that is still the conversation. And I have it all the time. I've had people call in and say, oh, well, why is this? Uh, uh, why do they have so many urban guests this week? Mm-hmm. And that, then you have other people who claim I don't, mm-hmm. which is obviously not true. But um, it's a fascinating thing. And I think it still remains part of television. I don't want to get into this whole thing, but it, listen, when I when I grew up watching TV, it was almost more diverse than it is now. You know, Martin in Living Color. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Living list. If you go yeah. through some of the breakout the shows Prince. in television, mm-hmm. The Fresh Prince, and on and on. Cosby, different. Uh, oh my God, Damon Wayans show, yeah. Bill D.L. Yeah. Hughley show. I mean, yeah. it, we go to Bill Cosby and Oprah, but there was a, a we just had Guy Tori on mm-hmm. um, for their documentary about uh, Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday. Yeah. And they talked about this night that was created because TV executives would not go to Compton to hear comedians. So they brought the comedians to Sunset Strip. And almost every show you watched during the 90s and 2000s was because of a black comic performing on that night and being seen by executives who would never have gone to Compton to hear them. So. It's fascinating. But I think, you know, I think it's a valuable landscape. That's why every year you see more shows launched Mm -hmm. because there's money in daytime, but it's not always seen as a value when that money is coming from us, sadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we saw Nick Cannon show only six months and then they canceled it rather quickly. And we were saying up here, we feel like he really didn't get a fair shake. At- he didn't get well, how, he what is a, a fair? What's, what, what do you define as a fair shake? I think six at least a year. Seems like not enough time to really like, make a mark and establish. It feels like you need a little mm-hmm. bit more time than six months. 
What do you think? No. I think that he is brilliant. Mm -hmm. And he is one of the best interviewers I have ever sat in the room with. Mm -hmm. I think the show wasn't him. I don't know what the show was, but it wasn't him. And I think that's, I think they needed a reset, but it was too late. But I also think he got an incredible chance because he came in after a scandal that would have broken most people. I would not have gotten on TV had I said the comments about whatever he said, mm-hmm. which he apologized for. Mm-hmm. And he deserved forgiveness for it, And he deserved to be on air. I believe that was a big chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would not have been able to get back on air. And I think that may have taken him off of who he is, right? Because you come in with such pressure. You've now just said this thing. You've apologized. But you know people are swirling and they're looking for you to fail. And so I didn't always see, like, the Nick that I love on that particular show. Could you be that on daytime, though? Because of what you said, how they want you to cater to middle America, mainstream I think America. he could. He's okay. got Nick Cannon is one of the most successful people in entertainment, mm-hmm. bar none. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about all of the shows. So he has a huge fan base. I think coming in under that pressure mm-hmm. was never going to change, right? He was coming in with a cloud of people thinking, oh, man, he got a shot. Mm-hmm. Look what he said. Look what he did. And then I feel, you know, his personal life, which he was so honest and open about, was used against him. I mean, why he has... Um, you know, kids or whatever it was, these storylines that became overshadowing of his talent. Mm-hmm. And he's so talented. No, nah, that's true, because it's like you can't even really get into discussions about the show because you got to dig through all the Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, all yeah, the articles sense. became about his personal yeah. life, not about... He had Jamie Foxx on. They had this amazing segment. I'm a TV junkie. I watch yeah. everybody's <laughs> show. I listen. So I never watched him as competition. I watch as a fan. Mm-hmm. But I feel like People didn't talk about the content. So I don't know how that was ever going to change. That's what I mean. So if you give them another year, another six months, were they going to be able to change what people were talking about, sadly, which was his personal life? And he owned it. He smiled about it. Whatever. Well, I don't. I, I just I, I thought, why aren't we talking about his interviews or his that content? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean by it. I don't know if a year would have changed that. But if anybody's going to be back on TV with 60,000 well, shows, on TV, well, right. he yeah. still is. Mm-hmm. So he's got more shows and more millions than I'll ever have. Does, does Tamron Hall feel like a successful talk show host yet? Yeah. Okay. I do. I do. I do. But what about you, man? That's an interesting question. Why'd you ask me that? Um, just because it's like, you know, you, you, you came in and then everybody was like, oh, we don't know if it's going to last, but then you got another season. Now you got renewed for two. Mm-hmm. So now you breathe a sigh of relief and like, oh, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> but if, if everything was the end now, you'd feel successful. If everything were to end now, how do I guess how do you define success? What is success? It's subjective. Right. Yeah. So I think for me, success is, yeah, I did something to your point that people didn't think could be done. And now we're about to go in our fourth and fifth season. I don't know. I listen, I was a success the day that I was born. My mother right. beat the odds. She was a nineteen year old single mom with no husband. My grandfather brought me home with a second grade education. He could not read. So I was a success when I, the day I came out of my mother's body because no one expected her to be able to be a great mom at a, as a teenager, this country girl who then moved to a bigger city. Uh, so I don't measure it by the talk show. I really don't. I know that sounds all like, oh, I don't. I do not. I, I don't. Because you'll, you know, you'll define yourself by it. There's a book that I read called A Path of Light, and it says, are you what your card says beneath it? So right now, whoever's listening, you all, 
take out your occupation. Are you still you? That's right. Well, and I, I had to very early on in my life um, measure my life by that because none of the people who I raised even had a business card to have a title underneath it. Mm. So they didn't measure themselves. So I wasn't raised to measure myself by that. Mm-hmm. So And even doing things you're passionate about, like your new show on Court TV, yeah. Someone They Knew. Yeah. That has to feel good because that's something that you really wanted to do. On- yeah, right. Because now, so that going back to your question, you know, the success, the success is being able to choose your projects, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And choose the things you want to do. So now I, I do have that option. So Court TV came to me and they said, we want to do a show, someone they knew, and we would like for you to, to do it. I, I did a crime show called Deadline Crime for six seasons, including when I was pregnant with Moses. And I couldn't do it anymore because it was just I was an emotional wreck. Right. And you talk a lot about mental health. Imagine reading a script about, you know, a mother being murdered and oh. I'm pregnant and I hadn't told anybody. And I'm thinking, can my baby hear this way? Oh Is he going to have anxiety? Like, what yeah. am I doing? And so I said, once I finished that last season, I would never do it again. Um, but I miss talking to people um, and giving them an opportunity to be comforted and giving them a chance to tell what happened to them. And this show is fascinating to me because the common denominator is someone they knew. I mean, the crime show I did before was random crimes mm-hmm. across the country, which are all compelling. But this is right now someone in this room could snap. Mm-hmm. And these aren't like people who, oh, who are you looking at? I'm not looking at, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. It's the guy back there with the cap on. Yep. No, but you know, we talk about crime, especially in New York, of randomness, you know, somebody jumping out of an alley or someone mm-hmm. following you home or a fender bender and two people get into it. But these are people that were brought into the lives of the victim through no fault of the victim. And it tells you a lot about greed, envy, jealousy, mm-hmm. passion, mm-hmm. displaced passion and what can happen. So the common thread is and I always tell people this show is not meant to scare you, but it is to say that there is someone in your sphere, in your universe who could turn into a different person, mm-hmm. who could go from the friend to a murderer. And that's what these stories are about. It's it's amazing. And we see it all the time on the news. Absolutely. You know, like oh, yeah. the guy who uh, works in the building where you live and he's a superintendent. No, no, these are people husband. in in their yeah. world. Like for women, one in four women um, are the victims of a domestic violence crime or assault. Mm-hmm. That person is in their life yeah. so this it's not the guy who's you know the door guy or the guy who parked the car who suddenly gets fascinated these are like intimate individuals in the lives of these people and you wonder what drives someone you know remember that movie sleeping with the enemy yeah, I was mm-hmm. right, that's that, the thing. right 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 you're lying in bed with someone and you believe that they love you and with the same mouth and voice that they say i love you they can say i hate you right and that's what's so mm-hmm. fascinating so this show um, really is, it's it's a head trip because you do wonder, how did that person go from being, we use that phrase, ride or die, they go from being your ride or die to wanting you to die. Yeah. Are you and it's crazy. Shows? Did you I, watch them? See, because I watch them like on the weekends, the shows are on, me and mm-hmm. the wife cleaning or whatever we're doing and it's, you always want, it's just so interesting. They are. And I can't watch them at night. I, I watch is. all, it's like watching a horror movie. So I do it all before, like my son wakes up at 5.30 a.m. and I will turn on the TV and my husband's like, turn the TV on. I'm going to watch this. And I'll binge it like 6 a.m., 7 so a.m. They're so interesting from a human nature perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all, by what we do, um, we're kind of, kind of like an archaeologist. We're studying human behavior. So like, for example, when I walked in this room, I could see you studying me and I was studying you. I start to look at body language. I hug Angela, but I didn't hug you. I get you. Know, you, you, And then you watch how people respond 
Is my breath? Let me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're watching how people respond. I can even tell when my answer went too long because I can see it in your eyes, Charlemagne. So you That's can not see. True. I, love a I long can answer. see that it. No, nope. you got you, Your body shifted. <laughs> so I, you know, and you, we all are like little investigators, right? Mm-hmm. And so these shows turn you into investigators because you're wondering, a, how do I avoid being a victim? B, could I sure. prosecute this? See how would I investigate it? Which is also why I wrote my crime book. I have um, a crime series, Jordan Manning, um, as the Wicked Watch. I'm actually 15 chapters into the follow-up to that. And that book, like this show, all inspired by human nature. Mm-hmm. And I'm no professional at this. I'm a journalist who does a talk show. But I am deeply um, fascinated by how people can take someone else's life. No, especially same. someone they love. Especially, you know, when you talk about human behavior, the only reason all of us are safe every day is because of human behavior. Mm-hmm. Because we make a choice yes. not to go crazy on somebody. <laughs> yes. I mean, could you be pushed to it, right? Yeah. Could you be pushed to a point of no return? I think I could. You could. 100%. I don't th- I've never felt like I wanted to, you know. They, somebody yeah. told me one time that, and I totally disagree with this, but I've had a woman say on my podcast that, if a man doesn't ever feel like he wants to kill you, he doesn't love you. Well, that's a lie. Um, yes. No, that's and that, I was that, like, no, that is no, that's, absolutely that's not true. true. What I mean by that is not passion love. When I had my son, they talk about the mama bear thing. Mm, yeah. okay. I didn't know that was real until I had my son. I could have. We were walking one day, and we live in the city, <laughs> and this man was just demonstrative and walking. Da, 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 da. And my baby was just learning to walk, and he nearly knocked him over i i saw stars i saw i mean it was one of those moments like oprah we brought oprah and color i was like hold my baby i was like (laughs) i was ready to kill this man and i had i turned and before i'm like cursing and my husband is like what is this and it was a rage Mm. from the bottom of my feet i can't believe i'm admitting this to the top of my (laughs) head that wow. I could have. I could see that. I could, it, When's the last time you wanted to kill somebody, Miss Hall? Never. Was that it was just at one time. At Don't one time. try. See, this is what you do. <laughs> Don't you try to make me mad like Kamala Harris. I will not fall for this nonsense. <laughs> not going to. You already got to have Nick Cannon mad at me. Like, Tamron all said he didn't even. That is not <laughs> what I said. So let me clear that up. I said that too many people were distracted by things that didn't matter, which were Nick's great interviews, Angela. So don't try to screw me with him. So, no. I, um... No, honestly, it was only when I had my baby that it was this mama bear. When mm-hmm. they tell you don't get in the middle of a bear cub and the mama bear, I understood and understand that snap because mm-hmm. I'd never felt it. It doesn't go away. Okay. And it, do- it doesn't. Oh, please don't it tell me that. It doesn't go away. I got six. You know, it doesn't go away. You feel like you're on guard constantly. I'm ready to do it. Really? I'm ready to kill somebody over my kids. I'm not lying. Because we see so many stories all the time of people doing things to kids. I'm like, and you know, we are the wish a, wish a nigga would type of people. I wish a mother would. And that's okay. Would. You said it. I won't say it, but that's how I feel <laughs> with my son. I feel like. What about I, your husband? Do you feel like that? No, about he's grown. No. He's 53. But if somebody did something to him, you wouldn't be like, I'm going to kill that person. Oh, no, we yes, would get would. it going. No, okay. it's my husband. He feels, he feels like it's that about different. He better, I hope. Of course, of course. This is a funny story. I was once engaged um, to a man, uh, and we went on vacation together, and we parasailed. And we were out in the ocean in Cozumel or somewhere. This was many years ago. And the parasail snapped. I can't swim. I flew into the ocean. He was still on the boat. I called off the wedding. Absolutely. <laughs> I called, and that's a true story. No, that's what the guy on the boat who didn't even speak English was like, swimming toward me. He was me. just on the boat chilling? 
He didn't move. He was like, you had and a life vest. You had a life vest on. He was a lifeguard growing up. So I may, not, I may have told too much and he's going to sue me now. The difference between pools and go. oceans, though. What? I'm just trying to look at all that's sides. That's his fiance. I'm just trying to be objective. That should be your reaction. Should be, I got to save her. And it's Last weekend, I think it was Miami, fiance fell in the ocean. Uh, guy jumped in after her. Choppers of the plane, uh, the boat oh, killed him. Oh, yeah, that him. was very sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going in for my no, wife. No, don't do that. I'm just saying. But that's what happened. I'm just saying. Like, that's so, not. No. no but and, and, and all they did was throw the life uh, raft for her and got her. But so. he died for love. Yeah, but he should have let the people on the boat do their job. No, I could not. I so could so not. what was his excuse afterward? I didn't speak to him. We flew all the way back. And I said, Whoa. this is not going to work. And Damn. what was his explanation? I t- Listen. I did not they ask. They got you. I, I did not. I did not. I was so upset and so disappointed. Maybe he froze. You know, on Black Panther when she was like, "Don't freeze." Maybe he froze. Well, we'll never know. Because we'll I married freeze. somebody else. We'll never so know. You was in that water. You wasn't concerned about drowning. You was more concerned about this nigga that come here. No, well, not that word. But I, no, what I no. So first of all, the parasail. I was terrified it was going to come down over my head. But it fell behind me. I had a life jacket on. I can't swim. So now I'm thinking two things. Thank God the parasol did not. Then I'm like, Jaws is going to eat my legs because right. I'm in the deepest part of the ocean. He might have my... been thinking that, too. He was like, uh, <laughs> so whose side are you on, Angela? <laughs> Far away from the boat. First you were like, I can't believe it. And then you're like, what, wait a minute. What if there's Jaws? Um, no, my legs are dangling. And th- how far is the boat? They had to turn around. Wow. Oh, for a minute. Because I flew. It snapped. And I flew out. And... Pow, hit the water. It's like cement. I could have died. And then they flew back around, came back, and then I realized I wasn't going to go under, and I locked eyes with him. And I was like, Swim this way. Swim this way. Doggy pedal. So he didn't even try to explain himself? And you know, it's so long ago, but I, yeah. I, whatever he said wasn't suffice. Oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't enough because I remember getting on that boat and I was like, this man will oh never, <laughs> ever. What if he was like, now? world star? You know yes. I'm trying. You're trying. Yeah, you've been taking lessons, right? I've been trying. I still can't swim. So, and you I can't? No. You should come oh, and, well, my son can swim. I'm still learning. Isn't that terrible? Your son can swim and you're like, well, you, you guys great. love building people up. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> what can I do? That's how I feel when little kids be swimming circles yeah. around me and I'm like, why can I still He's not He's a part them? of my motivation going back yeah. to that mama bear. So when, when we got our, 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 got our kid when I had him and um, he's I said okay we have this pool and you know we do so many stories and it is so important mm-hmm. and I did a report on you know there's this whole study on why people of color don't swim and it has nothing to do with an inability to swim um, it was a fascinating study from USA Swim that basically said two things um, when they asked young black girls it was about her hair Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it was about her hair but more important than that because that was a very small percentage you don't want to put your child in a situation where you can't save them. That's so, right. so many black parents and parents of color can't swim. And so you say, I know you can swim, but I need to be able to save my Thank baby. That's right. Right. And so as a result, it has nothing to do with like a lack of swimming programs. You know, a lot of people pointed to pools closing in areas. It had nothing to do with that. It was, I cannot bring myself to put my baby in a position where they would be harmed. And I can't, going back to mama bear, daddy bear, can't go in and save them. So that's been a part of it. So when I had Moses, I was like, I cannot possibly be here and not be able to launch in. So the first class I took, they taught me diving. So they would put these things and they the said. The first class was diving? 100%. You learn how to get in the water. Well, no, diving and retrieving. Mm-hmm. Because they said, 
we won't call it anything. We'll say a piece of something falls on, and we so we would never use that, you know, that visual. That but seems and like so they were five or something, right? I there. needed it though, okay. right? So they would put it in, and I dive, and they taught me how, like, you know, your instinct is when you would dive in, you'd hold your breath. So you're panicking, and something is underwater. You go, and you dive in. Well, you're gonna run out of air. So they taught me how to push the air out going in, so that I could go in, and and so it was intense, and it was terrifying. But going back to what you will do for love. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things. I, I respect you breaking that off, though, because it's like you can't really do those vows, sickness and in health and all that. You other respect stuff. me now because you first were defending him and you said he could have been killed by <laughs> well, a no, random manatee. A manatee <laughs> could have slapped him. But well, I get it, though, because you can't you can't with confidence say those vows knowing that you almost let your woman drown. Or I couldn't be confident in hearing yeah, it. What about him. my yeah, perspective? Yeah, he could probably have said them because I'm sure now I got to go find him on Facebook and I'll ask him, yeah. why didn't he jump in? But have you ever been at a crossroads? I met your wife, too. I met mm-hmm. um, Charlemagne's beautiful wife at the Tyler Perry studio. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any, have you been in a moment or a crossroad where you had to say, I can, I got to jump in? Was there ever a, a confrontation with a nah, guy where somebody was no. looking at her? Or he, no, nah, not yet. Hopefully, never. I'm too old now to be doing. Yeah, you got to get some push-ups. You're ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ready. How old is Moses? Moses will be three in April. Three in April. When, you, when you're teaching, one thing about swimming, just remember, sometimes it doesn't matter that he can swim, but if kids are around him and grab him, even though if you could swim, right? so they teach you, if that's the case, tell Moses to go down under the water. Because when you go okay, under the water, my heart is racing now. Go. You got my heart racing. I, have, I, have six. I know. That's and that's what I, I teach the kids swimming. And the reason I didn't never learn how to swim is in Queens, we didn't have swimming pools. Do you swim now? I swim. Yeah, I okay. was on the swim team. I'm oh, you were? Guard, all that. Yeah. So I taught that. Even with the Beijing in your bed, you still jump in the water? Shut up. Is but that I, that? That's not Beijing. Oh, okay. Beijing. <laughs> it's but just I, for men. But it's as just soon as the kids are yeah. uh, young, like Six, seven months, I put them in the water. That's what we did. Them. So that way they learn, and all my kids know how to swim great. See, that's good. We did that with Moses. We started at, uh, when he was a few weeks old. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, I saw a Gabrielle Union is a friend, and I saw Kavya in the water. And I was like, okay, look at her. She's doing it. I'm showing my infant these pictures. Like, And I, she is a phenomenal swimmer, and I wanted him in the water. But it is truly one of those intimidating mm-hmm. things, even still for me. But it is so important, and there are so many misnomers about why Black people don't swim and it. Just when I got involved with this organization, USA Swim, and started studying, it was after, I think it was three, and I don't want to quote it wrong, but there was an incident in Louisiana where there was a sandbar and the children fell in mm. and they drowned. And as adults were going out to save them, they were drowning. It's like three generations of a mm. black family wow. died. This was about 10 years ago I did the story. It was devastating and nobody in the family. And so the others were forced to stand at the shore. And it was just like, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. And it was, that was also a part of the catalyst for me wanting to help them get the message out about the swim. But you can come over. We'll help you. I know. I got to learn how to swim. You do. How old are you? Uh, Too old to not know how to swim. Oh, you don't say your age? I should have asked. She's never been to Disney World. Never saw The Lion King either. I saw the play, the Broadway play, The Lion King. What? (laughs) <laughs> okay, you judged me for not playing Uno? <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? She got a point, Yee. Uh, I have seen the Broadway play, though. I know the gist That's of the That's not the movie. You've never seen the movie? And I've not never even been the to one Disney World. Disney World? Disneyland? 
I've been to Disneyland in California, never Disney World in Orlando. Why don't you guys take her for her birthday? I'm not, no, I'm, no, thank you. I got enough kids. <laughs> I'd rather now. have a good like, time. Like, I have four daughters. <laughs> yeah, I, I will go kids. with you. You yeah, will love go swimming it. in Disney World. No, we will not. No, we will not do that because there are a lot of kids in that water and everything <laughs> else there. It is, you know what? It's very, very fun. It is truly magical. Mm-hmm. And you have to get that iconic picture where you're right in the middle mm-hmm. and it's behind. Do you have any nieces or nephews or anything? I have a lot of younger cousins. You got. You should do a family trip. It's expensive. I think I would go with my friends at this point now and my kids. I have three godchildren. You know, they're you should go. I know you give great financial advice just it is expensive i was start it is she gotta get the tour you gotta get the tour my girl Koya, you gotta get the radio in orlando she's um already set it up so when i go there next she's like we're gonna go it's 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 a lot you want to get a fast pass you want to get a tour you want to and then it's gonna it's a lot what gotta go next month am i too old to be in disney world without a child though no listen do you know that disney is the number one destination for couples to honeymoon I could never honeymoon. That's too much stress. Why would they <laughs> that's, that's too and they have the whole Disney wedding collection. Nah. Like people, you know, like they had the Gucci Disney collaboration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have people go and they they design beautiful uh, gowns inspired by really? the princesses. Yes. Princess. Is that a word? That's too much. Yeah, my oldest daughter does cheerleading, so they have their cheerleading competition there every April. No, it is it is yeah. it is truly I'm gonna magical. make it there. I'll let you know. You're gonna make it there. You're like you're gonna Mars with Pete <laughs> Davidson. You're gonna make it there. I'm gonna let Jeff Bezos, Bezos give me a seat. I'm gonna you could go tomorrow. You own like half of Brooklyn. I read every no. time about you buying another house, another town. You should get on the plane tonight and fly private and fly right back. You should just fly right there and now, go. You know what fascinated me? You had some of the a couple of the women from Tinder Swindler. Mm. On the That's show. terrifying. Yes, that was terrifying to me. But I feel like people didn't have a lot of sympathy for them. They didn't. People don't have sympathy for... We do a lot of shows on um, this type of crime, this type of fraud that takes place. And we did one season, I think it was season one or two of our show, a woman, she was a CIA spy, and a man swindled her out of over a million dollars. And people had no sympathy for her. And I don't... It breaks my heart, and I, and I try to explain to folks... Cons are good because they're cons. Right. And and when people say, oh, that wouldn't have ever happened to me. Like, yes, that's what they do. It's like it, that's their they spend their entire day trying to figure out how to get you to give. You don't think you could do it. I'll be watching the yes, show. Like, I think last would. night I watched Raw Food and Wine. I think that's the name of it. You've oh, never yeah, felt raw. taken. Oh, that was Raw Vegan. I saw oh, that yeah, one. Yeah. You've never vegan. felt taken advantage of ever. In no. a, in a yeah, romantic situation. Remember you bought the fake leather jacket? I bought a fake leather jacket, but that was $200. You bought a fake... It was on the train. But that's this the beginning. No, it wasn't even on the train. <laughs> that's I seen the beginning. But he put the fire against the leather and told me leather doesn't burn. But you... This, look, look, yeah, you okay, look, you understand how crazy that sounds? I bought a leather jacket with a guy with a flame torch, gave me a test. It was a that, great story. It is a great story. It was. But that's what that's how it starts. But it's only two hundred dollars, two fifty. It doesn't to matter. You. That's a lot of that's money. That's a lot of money to that's a lot of money to a lot of people. And I feel like you bought several. I was jackets. Gonna get my whole life savings but two fifty is the beginning. So if he first of all, two fifty is a lot of money. It is. Again, to buy a jacket on a subway. With a flame torch. With a flame torch. Mm-hmm. Fifty dollars, I could see. Two fifty is a lot. He so you like you bought some fake sneakers too. Look what you just said. He said. Right. It was real, that. and that's what you got. Got if you can wear a fake beard, you can wear a fake leather. Shut up! Did no, your beard not fake? Do you do you 
Do you die? No, I don't do nothing to it. She's lying. lying. You I'm told us you did. Just for, just now you gotta stop. Like, you know, don't try to swindle us. Are you a pitch person for them? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. He's not well, a you pitch person. mentioned it three times. I'm like, any name he I mentioned is, three no, times, you get... What? It's him. Do you have a... No. no. People always ask about your skin. Everyone always talks about how beautiful oh, it is. I have a dermatologist, Dr. Natasha Sandy. But... It's beautiful. But I don't use Beijing. Tammy, have you ever been swindled? Yes, ma'am. Have I ever been swindled? Like a date swindled? Or any, like how Envy's talking about the flame (laughs) torch with the leather. Like, no. Uh, Have I? Yes. But you bought fake? I've never bought anything fake. But you get? How do you get swindled? Oh, I can't tell the story. Come on. (laughs) No, because it involves illegal stuff. No, because I... (laughs) I, No. How much did you lose? Just say that much. I didn't lose anything. I got it back, but... How much did they take before you got it back? uh, they, They... I had deposited... $5,000. $5,000. Wow. And and then, uh, because of our service related to my child, mm. and then the service turned out not to be legitimate, and then I had to go and get it back. Get it back. And we could have bought 20 leather jackets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I'm like, I, I hate being cagey, but it did get legal, so I can't get okay. you. It should be watching, like, really? I, now I want my money back. Um, but, it, you know, with the dating thing, it, it's about getting someone when they're vulnerable and love makes us so vulnerable mm-hmm. going back I mean I don't want to make this a thematic show the love of your child the lack of love where the guy didn't jump in to save me any of these things it's it's love and, and they zero in on it I had the tender swindler women on and to your point you think like at the point they're asking for oh my check didn't come in if you front me this I'll give it back. They just nibble away. At the same time, they're love bombing them. Right. They're showering them with gifts. And in that case, he was buying gifts with the money from other women. So you're thinking, oh, he just took me on a $4,000, you know, mm. dinner. So it's adding up. So he's got to have the jet. money. I'm yeah. on a private jet. He'll give it back. But yeah, it is a huge problem. And think about it. These are the people who come on TV. Do you know how many others that you know who stay silent and who don't tell how they've been taken advantage of? It's crazy. But I I see how it can. Thank God it's never happened. But I see how it can. Yeah, watching that, I saw how it could happen because he was definitely doing a lot of things. He's pulling up in a Lamborghini. You don't think he has stolen it. And then he's taking them on trips on private planes. And then you're believing that his life is in danger because people are after him. Well, that's when he lost me. Security got beat up. When I heard that, that too much. We always remember (laughs) when they start adding on, like, so that the, uh, they say they're the tells with a lie. And so, obviously, you watch the eyes. If the eyes go down and go up, there are different tells mm-hmm. when people start adding on too much detail. Right. That's when keep you know. Keep your life simple. They keep, keep your life simple. If you ever, <laughs> I hate to give you this advice, but when doing a crime mm-hmm. show and I do, I view a lot of interrogation video mm-hmm. and looking even with my new show, at, you know, we have a one guy, we have his interrogation video and I was sitting there the whole time like, please stop. He just kept going and he, you know, they say talk yourself into a lie. Mm-hmm. He just... Keep your lie. First of all, always commit the crime by yourself. Never, because if you're going to do it with anybody, they're going to tell. Every Are you crime, crime. How about not committing? commit the crime? <laughs> <laughs> what else should we do when we <laughs> Angela, <laughs> Angela, don't do it at Disney. No. <laughs> there are cameras everywhere. No, I do a crime show. So again, going back to what Charlamagne said, you study people. Right. And one of the things I always tell people, everybody, you get caught when you do it with somebody else. If right. you're going to rob the bank, just leave the car out front. And don't take anyone because they're going to tell on you. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is keep it simple. Stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Do not go in the interrogation room believing that you can trick them. Mm -hmm. You cannot trick 
those investigators. That's all they do all day long is hear people lie. It's just like, I know you know when people are lying in an interview. I do. Mm-hmm. I interview people and I'm like, this is mm-hmm. not a true story or this is a TV version of the story. They know. Right. I, I want to ask you something because you, you use this word a couple of times throughout the interview, journalism. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's still such things as objective journalism or is everything It was never based? objective. It was never objective. Mm. 100%. It can, how can it be? Mm. It, we're humans. Mm-hmm. We go home to our lives. We go home. So you're telling me, it's like when, you know, going back to my show, um, when they say to the jury, strike what you just heard. How? Do you, how? <laughs> right. It's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. So we go in with our biases. We go in with our beliefs. We go in with our perspective. And how you extract that would make you one of the most incredible people ever and that would be Jesus mm-hmm. because I don't think it's possible. And now you can try to suppress some of it, but going back to, you know, the book that I wrote and when we talked about missing black and brown, people pick white blonde women to lead mm-hmm. for a reason. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's a bias mm-hmm. because you believe that the audience values that life more mm-hmm. or will not turn it from that story. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why people, I was on a couple of shows and people, well, why do you think this continues to happen? We know the answer why. So then why does that happen? Because people have biases. They see that looks like my daughter. Mm -hmm. That could be my kid. Mm -hmm. She looks just like my daughter's friend. Oh, my gosh. That could happen in my neighborhood. Reporters are just people. It's impossible. And I know a lot of my colleagues will greatly disagree with me and may not be happy um, with me saying that. I've been in newsrooms for 30 years. I'm in the newsroom with people. Mm not robots, and you hear and see every day. And that doesn't mean it's a negative, right? Because sometimes your perspective and bias can help. But there is no way. There's no way. So how do you trust any of these networks, CNN, MSNBC, Fox? Because it's all opinion-based. How do I know that you're just giving me the facts as they they know them? You don't. I mean, you're asking me a beginning-of-time question. Mm -hmm. This is... I mean, journalism didn't start with MSNBC. I know people believe that, but it mm-hmm. did not. I mean, the history of journalism, muckraking. Um, you know, look at when we talk about dirty politics, I won't bore you, but take a second to look at the Thomas Jefferson attacks. I mean, just it, it is it's incredible. So I feel like uh, to over, not to oversimplify, but just even Alexander Hamilton. Everyone loves Hamilton. I bring that up. That was some dirty politics. That's right. I mean, this isn't new journalism being used to. Um, demean. Look at some of the, I, people love cartoons, you know, political cartoons. You've seen some of the political cartoons of Irish people, Italian people, black people. We talk a lot about how we were made to look in political cartoons, these exaggerated, you know, monstrous ways. This is a part of the political agenda since people could pick up a pen and a paper mm-hmm. without words. So the idea that CNN, MSNBC or Fox started this is ridiculous Mm -hmm. and the idea that human beings who come in from very different worlds and sometimes the people they're reporting on i just saw a whole conversation about monetizing journalism we know people you and i Mm -hmm. in journalism who make 60 million dollars yeah what are you going to do to keep that 60 million dollar check you're not you're going to do what you need to do you're going to go on tv and say some crazy things if that's what you're paying to say Anything that's monetized is corruptible. Anything that's monetized is tainted. Mm. And when you make millions of millions of dollars as a journalist, which I hope to, it's going to impact you. It is. And that's a lie when people say that it doesn't. You make $8 million a year. What are you going to do to keep making that $8 million? First of all, why? Why? And I, I, I say that knowing, again, 
that I want all of us to have eight to 20 to $30 million contracts. But why? Um, if you're not a war correspondent, right? Because those people are putting it in mm -hmm. on the line. Yeah. What you see out of Ukraine is incredible reporting that I don't and I could not ever do. But I do think that um, that's not, though, to say that there aren't honest journalists. I think most journalists are honest. Honest and bias are two different things. So what is a journalist? Because I feel like all of them are biased. Oh, what is a journalist? It's somebody who reports what they see mm -hmm. and what they hear. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, what is opinion? That's different. Mm -hmm. But a journalist, I just did an interview with um, Chike and Kuti. They did the documentary on on Kanye. Uh, on Kanye. It's phenomenal. Right. Uh, it's a phenomenal documentary. They are journalists to me. They picked up a camera and they journaled and chronicled the rise of Kanye West mm -hmm. into what he is now, which I believe is a genius. So they follow that. That's journalism to me. Anybody can pick up their phone. And the citizen reporters, mm -hmm. half of the crimes against black people related to police are because one person, George Floyd, she picked up the camera. You know what I mean? That She's a journalist. She's also brave and 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 a transformational person in this conversation of police brutality. But at the end of the day, she was a journalist. She picked up that mm -hmm. phone mm -hmm. and chronicled what she saw in an unbiased way but then turned it over from the perspective of being black mm -hmm. and knowing that that could have been her too. Mm -hmm. So I think anyone can be a journalist. Opinion is very different. And the, that's, gotcha. you know, after 7 p.m. or whatever. Yeah, I feel like everything is, is, is opinion-based now. No, I don't think that's true. I don't think. I, I, there's a clear difference, I feel, between what happens from 9 until 5 or whatever, and then after 5, I think. Mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think so. But I that's think part of why representation matters so much, because we do have our own. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Biases that we bring with us, like you said, but you want people that also have a similar experience because the way they tell the story is different than someone is from the outside that maybe doesn't understand cultural things. Well, I think it's a complicated answer because I just had somebody on uh, recently who said, you know, well, as a white guy, I was in over my skis to talk about George Floyd. And I said, wait, but you can't view it that way either, because I don't need to walk in your shoes to tell you that it's wrong. So, for example, I'm a kid from, you know, Texas, rural Texas. The only Jewish person I knew growing up was Jesus. Right. When I first learned about the Holocaust, I think it was in the fifth grade. My teacher didn't have to tell me that was wrong. My teacher didn't have to say, oh, my God, I didn't need to be Jewish practice the faith, practice the culture, mm-hmm. uh, go to a Seder dinner, any of that. I knew what I saw on there was wrong. So I don't personally need to walk a white colleague through why George Floyd was wrong. And you can't let people off the hook by saying, oh. Well, no, I think you still no, have a responsibility good. to report and know when something's wrong. But yeah. I also feel like somebody that can relate to something more when I watch that type of reporting yes. is something 100%, that right. is important to have. Absolutely. Like if you have somebody who's from, say they're talking about our mayor, Eric Adams, and yeah. you have somebody that's from here that as opposed to somebody that's from Texas. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It, it is a little bit it of a It is absolutely different. I think though what, what, what happens though is people then use it as an excuse not to know. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So <clears throat> I'm a reporter from Texas. It was my job to learn New York. It was my job to learn Flatbush or Crown Heights. It was my job. So I can't go into my newsroom and say, oh, I'm from Texas, so I'm bowing out. And when it comes to race and gender, I watch a lot of people bow out and use that as an excuse. Well, I'm not a woman, so I'll never know. Well, you know a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not black, so I'm in over my skis. So I really am going to... I can't talk about that because I don't know. You're a human. You're a human. Mm -hmm. You're a human. And so I just, I am always careful of when people 
talk about, you know, that because they use it as an excuse for them not to know. Our diversity is important in the room for exactly what you said. It sometimes is used against us in the sense that it lets people off the hook for them not to learn. That's why I love seeing the conversations where they have panels and different people from yeah. different perspectives can talk about the same thing. Well, that's why this can, show mm-hmm. works. I mean, that's why you're a hugely successful show because you come in, you bring your perspective, DJ NB, you guys bring your perspective and that's why a show like this, um, and I'm not just saying it because I'm here as a guest, this is what, one day people might not agree with something you say, they like what he says, and, and back and forth. That's why The View right. was such a hugely popular show that, and that's why everyone tried to do panel shows. The key, though, is you have to have the right components, mm-hmm. and you have the ability and agency to speak up just as much as they do, which makes the show compelling. You're not just the woman there representing us. You're a strong voice representing us. Well, we see you salute Wendy on. Williams yes. uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Why was it important for you to do that? Wendy has done something. There are... There's a morgue of dead daytime careers, you know, where God, people. Damn, you, yeah, yeah, I can tell you listen to rappers. <laughs> damn, <laughs> you in the morgue of dead daytime careers. <laughs> Meaning, <Jesus>. people. <laughs> that was like court TV slash rappers damn. slash. Cameron? I'm leaving. This has been too. I'm taking Drake. <laughs> out of my bag. Where's Birdman? I'm out of it. I'm gonna take this crap. No, what I said was, um, no, because I I really, it's not the kind of show I would have done. I'm going to be very honest. But she did it so brilliantly Mm -hmm. and did it for over a decade. And when people would say, oh, she was this, she was that, nobody should be feeling sorry for her. Howard Stern, no, A-list celebrities still go on his show despite things that he said, and he's the king of media. And I would hear people say, I don't want to go on Wendy. But they would go on his show. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is a double standard. She is doing this shocking style of performance, which is exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. But she was somehow penalized in the eyes of some people. Mm-hmm. But she stayed on for 13 years. Yeah. She survived... Google how many failed daytime shows happened Mm -hmm. while she was on doing more with less. Mm -hmm. It was a chair and a woman who was an excellent performer in that style of television. And she deserves that that acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting all hot now. You make me bad. (laughs) Because I just feel like people, like I said, listen, there are a lot of things that I did not agree with. And the Whitney Houston thing, it still bugs me to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are a lot of other things. But that said, I felt there was an unfair, a a level of unfairness directed at her style when a comparable peer who did a similar show Mm -hmm. was still seen as A-list. What do, you, what do you think should be next for her? Should she do it? I've been hearing about The View, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I Because I, I don't know what it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she was on with T.J. Holmes. I commented only because she came out on with T.J. Holmes mm-hmm. and, and talked with him um, on Good Morning America. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I It, you know, I, I've only met her a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I'm the last time I saw her, we were in Philadelphia, and she was at the train depot with some friends. I guess they were her team, some members of her team. And, you know, she was like, I look terrible right now. You know, don't look my... And she started telling me about the the, the thyroid and whatnot. And I, you know, I don't know. 
I, yeah. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. It really does. It, and, and I don't know her as well as you do. Um, but it does. And I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Now, I, everybody knows you were close with Prince. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like his legacy is being represented correctly? Well, I think he had a choice um, to map out a better plan. And he chose not to map out a better plan. Mm. And he's a very, the smartest human being I've ever met. Second to Nick Cannon. Don't try to say something bad about Nick Cannon. Um, he's brilliant. and Prince is second to Nick Cannon? No, I'm kidding. That's a headline. I said Nick Cannon was second to Prince. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, he thought out everything, every detail, and I cannot imagine that it did not once cross his mind that he did not have a plan for what happened. So I mm-hmm. guess I choose to assume that he didn't care what was going to happen. Wow. Or maybe sometimes you don't know the end is coming. You think you have time. That's all he talked about was the end. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the afterlife. Mm-hmm. What yeah, is that like? What? Yeah, no, he, he talked about a lot that this is not the end game place, right? That there is uh, much more for us to know spiritually and to be connected to spiritually. I don't think he was as tied to these things as we believe. Mm -hmm. And that's why he left these things for others to deal with. Mm. I don't believe he was as tied to it as people thought. Mm. Now with the show, uh, Someone They Knew, Mm There was a personal incident that kind of made you gravitate towards this series as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, my we, we've talked a little bit about it before. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister was uh, murdered in an unsolved crime, and uh, the person of interest, um, the only person of interest, was someone in her life, and so that goes back to what we were talking about: um, who amongst you could turn into somebody that you don't recognize. And so I don't. I was not there on the night that she um, lost her life, but I was very much aware over our years. My sister was extremely beautiful, um, so vibrant and fun. Like, she knew how to play Uno. Um, and just like the really a life of the party kind of person. But um, she had in her past um, had some very um, violent, Uh, relationships and it wasn't just one and so what I started to talk about more than the night that she lost her life was things that I was present to and I was there um, when things happened um, to her that were horrifying and it did make me wonder about safety as a woman and all of those things so yeah yeah what's what's your experience been like you know hosting the Tamron Hall show what's been the biggest challenge oh Um, standing, standing up for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we all have shows that we had ideas that we wanted to do and then people start coming in the room and they try to change you or change how you handle the show or what. Um, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I have the show now in that, um, my back was against the wall when I started it. So I, I, I navigate more strategically and more confidently. What I mean by that is sometimes people don't agree with decisions that are made, Mm -hmm. but I stand up for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to shrink down and I'm not going to. I went into rooms with people and fought for this show to be on TV. So I'm not going to lean out of that um, for anybody. But I'm always open to ideas. But the hardest part, really, other than a global pandemic, has been just expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Expectations of myself and what I have of my staff. 
And, and when you talk about double standards, when you boss up in that way, oh my gosh, then you're, you're all types of it, you're oh, difficult. It's, and, it's, yeah. it's crazy. I I read things. I, I it's an ongoing joke now with me and my team. I walk in, I go, "Am I as scary as they say I am?" Mm-hmm. There you go. I. I, I learned, to, by the second season, I just learned that it was a template, right? This is what they do. It's like, okay, uh, now the show is popular. She's out there. What are we going to say? Difficult, angry, yeah. this, that, toxic, toxic yeah. blah, blah, blah. And and don't get me wrong, to someone working as hard as we do may be their definition of toxic. I, I don't know. So I would never tell someone how to feel. And if that's how you feel, I always listen to the staff. I'm there to have the conversation. But if you believe that we are going to give our audience a product that is beneath them, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we call our audience the TAM fam. Mm-hmm. I work every day to make sure that when a guest like you come, I said, Charlemagne's coming on. I don't want people just to think that he is a shock jock or whatever their perception. He has layers. He's a husband. He's a dad. That's why we brought you on, on the show that you were on mm-hmm. because I sat in a room and said, he's not one dimensional. Mm-hmm. I don't want him on for two minutes to come on and talk about some headline that he said this about somebody and got into it with somebody. No, I want the audience to know him. Mm-hmm. You know, people still come up to me now and talk to me about that episode. Really? Because it was an episode about mental health. And yeah. people, I mean, random people in the airport. I saw you on Tamron Hall right. talking about mental health. And, well, that's interesting because I actually had a, and I'll take you behind the scenes. I had a, not a clash, but I had to sit down a producer and say, this is what we're doing with him. Because it was important to show you as the multidimensional human being that you are. Not, oh, this guy on the radio that I may or may not have heard of. You are internationally famous. This show is internationally known. But that said, everybody don't know you. So mm-hmm. you've got to take them through the journey. And so for me, that was important. Now, that might have been a hard segment for that producer to do because it took more time. Mm-hmm. But it paid off, and they loved the segment. And Thank I was you. happy you loved the segment, and the audience resonated. So, you know, nothing, you don't get to um, do something easy mm-hmm. and just expect there to be rewards. You got to oh, She's looking hard. at her watch. I know. You got to go. No, no, no. Damn, Tamron. You could have no. just said you got to go. She's like, Oh. <laughs> oh, okay, she got that. Okay. The man who would have jumped in the ocean for me. I'm not answering this. Well, gonna, you know how to swim now, so. <laughs> you don't know? You we think don't he, know. You like, you think it, we just don't know. Why don't we? You said it. something earlier. That April I would, Fools and we'll punk him. Like, what is that show? <laughs> Remember? <laughs> <laughs> no, you said something earlier that made me think, because you said uh, <laughs> it was something about love and fear. Yeah. And I was like, well, what if fear overpowers love? I think it's better to be feared. But I'm saying in that moment, you could love this Somebody person, but you're no, afraid to do it. was a lifeguard. Quit trying to make excuses. You don't even know him. I can't believe you brought this back. I'm just back. saying. It's just like, oh. What? I need to hear both sides. That's you, all I'm You need to hear both sides. As an objective journalist, I need to hear. As an opinion journalist, you, what other what could he tell you? I was terrified yes. that jumping in as a trained lifeguard to save her, he didn't even have to go reach for me. Maybe just paddle around me and say, babe, it's going to be okay. You're, they're going to pull you out. What if he threw a rope? I agree. A rope? He should have jumped, no, jumped in. <laughs> Angela. His fiance can't swim. Go get your fiance. Angela said, what if he throws a rope? Okay. Grab it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wrap it around my waist. They're going to pull me in? No. Tammy, before you leave, I have one more question because we know you're looking at your watch. I'm not looking at my watch. My husband called. Um, so what do you do when somebody tells you there's a guest coming on and they don't want to talk about a certain topic? Right? Are, do you... Oh, I think about that. Mm-hmm. I do because, for example... 
some guests don't like talking about exes and they're in a current relationship. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I would never have DJ Envy on about another relationship because he's not, his wife is there. Mm -hmm. I always tell people like, they'll have a, we'll have a guest on and they'll say, let's ask about, you know, the man she dated three years ago that happened to be famous or mm -hmm. whatever. And I said, but she's not with him now. Imagine going to a dinner party and I ask you in front of your new guy about the guy three times back. Mm. Right. That's rude. Yeah. And so I feel like um, there's got to be some decency for me. Mm -hmm. Right. I And I don't want anybody to feel ambushed. I mean, we had Andrew, Andrew Gillum on. I mean, that was a tough one. And people were mad that I didn't say, well, are you gay? And I'm like, why did I need to ask that question? Yeah. That wasn't he told me what he wanted me to to know right and i can still do a thoughtful interview there are certain things that i'm happy we didn't talk about here mm -hmm. um because it just i'm not afraid of any answer but we know we live in a clickbait world mm -hmm. right and so you both are going to be on, guests on my show very soon i could have my team dig up all kinds of well once i read on the shade room and i saw this mm -hmm. and da, da, da. what purpose does that serve any of us mm -hmm. so for me um, I want you to feel safe. I want you to feel that uh, there's grace in mistakes. That's why I said with Nick Cannon, being able to get back on air, he deserved that shot. Mm -hmm. I want to interview Kanye West. I don't agree with some of the incoming traffic that's coming his way. I think people deserve grace. I think they deserve space. But that said, when you have a high-profile individual, they should be prepared to answer tough questions. Yeah, I thought you gave Andrew a lot of grace. And I, and I liked how you handled that because it didn't feel exploitive. And that's what I don't want to do, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And even when people, and you guys do a great job, when, when folks come in here and they're in the midst of a scandal, they should be prepared. Oprah says, you cannot tell me what to ask you. You are in charge of how you answer it. Right. And so I always come in knowing that people might ask me something that I'm not, like I, I don't fully talk about Prince mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons, but I don't. But I'm always prepared mm -hmm. um, for it. So they should be prepared. We're big kids. We're on a big stage. You got a big stage. And if you want to stand on that stage, you got to be ready for the questions. And so that's how I approach the show. Some people have been nasty about it. And I just decline their appearance. I just say, we can't. We can negotiate. And I'll, I, some people will say, oh, I can't talk about it for legal reasons. I know when they're not telling the truth about that. <laughs> and I'll say, okay, well, let, what about this? But if there's a hard no and it's of importance to the audience to know, then I would rather pass. And I have said... Come back when you're ready to talk. Okay. Well, Tamron Hall, we appreciate Tamron you Hall. joining us this yes. morning. Amazing Thank conversation. You. Thank you so that much. Was Good amazing. to see you. And congratulations on everything. Two Thank more you. seasons. The new show, Sunday Nights? Sunday Nights. Um, Court TV. Court TV. I'm super excited about that. The Tamron Hall show, the book. But again, thank you guys. This is my first time. I was a little bit nervous. Really? Why? Not scared. Nervous because none of you would jump in the water to save me. And I knew that when I came in this world. Well, I can't swim. No. Well, I'm happy because now that the, you're both going to be on. Swim. I'll call 911 and be like, there's going to be an emergency. We're in the middle of Mexico in the ocean. That's all I can do. Angela, I love you. You're going to be on my show soon. <laughs> DJ Envy, yes, Charlemagne, come back anytime. Thank you so much. And please do not start any static with me and Nick Cannon. I have nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. Whatever comes to this interview <laughs> is what comes to this I interview. Mean, All I can do is ask the questions, Tamara. <laughs> no, it's your answer. Give me my bag like LeBron James. I'm out of here. Tamara, it's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. 
Get going this summer with the best audio entertainment from Audible. Listen to best-selling audiobooks like me and my wife's book, Real Life, Real Love, originals and podcasts, as well as motivation, wellness programs, and the latest tech and business ideas, all in one app. Sign up for 30 days free at audible.com slash breakfast club. Charlemagne, say the gang, dunk it under Charlemagne. You are a donkey. <laughs> it's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day does not discriminate. I might not have the song of the day, but I got the Donkey of the Day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, man, <laughs> hit it with the heat. Yeah, it's a breakfast club, bitch. Who's Donkey of the Day today? Well, Donkey of the Day goes to John F. Kennedy Middle School in Connecticut. In particular, a teacher named Bree Quarton. Uh, she's the district's health and physical education coordinator and superintendent, Christopher Driesick. I think I'm pronouncing his last name right now. I have extreme love for public school teachers. Drop on the clues bombs for all the public school teachers out there. Because my mother has been a public school teacher in South Carolina for as long as I've been alive. And I understand the impact that public school teachers have on kids. And I know how hard that job is because you have to truly love it. Because it's not like the pay is your incentive. I mean, you have to really care for these kids and their well-being. Lesson plans, assignments, all of these things teachers come up with to educate kids. We appreciate you. Drop another clues bomb for teachers, man. Public school teachers. We know it's not easy. And in this era of social media, video games, all types of things, just pulling at these kids' attention, cutting through to these children and creating things that can actually appeal to these kids is tough. So I'm not judging. Okay, but as a parent of a middle schooler, I would be concerned about this lesson plan that came out of JFK Middle School. I'm holding it in my hand right now. Okay, and the title is Pizza in Consent. Okay, basically kids at JFK uh, Middle School in Connecticut were instructed to use pizza as a metaphor for sex and asked to cite their favorite toppings. For example, cheese was for kissing and olives were for giving oral. Basically, they compared ordering a pizza to receiving consent. I guess I can't make this kind of stuff up. Listen to Eric Sanzi, director of outreach for parents defending education. She did an interview with ABC 7 KATV to describe the assignment. The assignment started out with a with a sentence that said, yes, pizza can be a metaphor for sex. And then it went on to explain that just like when friends have to agree on pizza toppings when they're sharing a pizza, that people need to agree on what they're willing to do and not do in terms of consent. And so they decided to have the students list their sexual likes and dislikes and then draw them on a pizza as pizza toppings. Now, again, these are eighth graders. And it's important to keep in mind, under 15% of eighth graders have had sex. So they're being asked very personal questions on a topic that many of them are totally inexperienced with and likely uncomfortable talking about in school. This is middle school. How many toppings do you think I've had on my pizza in middle school? Now, now I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I enjoy a great conspiracy theory. And Pizzagate was a great conspiracy theory. You remember Pizzagate, don't you? Uh, the false allegation uh, that the Clintons used the Comet Ping Pong Pizza Restaurant in Washington, D.C. as a front for a pedophile sex ring in the back room was supposedly used for kidnapping and kidnapping and trafficking children. Okay, now, of course, all of this was proven to be false, but it made a lot of noise, all right? The owner of Comet uh, Ping Pong and his staff received death threats. Uh, People protested outside of the restaurant. A guy actually went in the restaurant and fired a gun at an employee. See, these fake stories be having real-world consequences, okay? People believe these conspiracy theories, and when you promote these false and reckless conspiracy theories, bad things happen. I'm saying all that to say JFK Middle School in Connecticut has done nothing but contributed to that conspiracy theory. I don't even know if Pizzagate is still a thing, but this right here is going to resurrect it. 
All right, listen, my daughter is in eighth grade. She's 13. These kids are watching shows like Euphoria. These kids have social media. These kids talk amongst each other. Do you remember when you were 13, 12, 11, whatever age we were in middle school, we was already talking about sex in a real way. So I can only imagine with all the access these kids have now what their conversations are like. So you don't need stunts like this. Just talk to the kids, okay? Just talk to them, all right? Listen, let me let me read y'all some of this. This is why they use the metaphor for sex. They say when you order your pizza with friends, everyone checks in about each other's preferences. Some people might be vegan. Some people uh, might be gluten-free. Others might love pineapple, while others prefer pepperoni. Some might not like pizza at all. If you're a vegetarian, but your friend is a meat lover, sharing a pizza is going to bring up a lot of issues. You don't know who you can share your pizza with unless you ask. Okay, didn't they say the same goes with sex? No. What are, they, what are they talking about? The, 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 the metaphor doesn't make no sense. The correlation makes no sense. You have to check in with your partners and ask for their preferences. Your partner might be comfortable with one sexual activity but not another. Maybe your partners only want to be touched a certain way. Or maybe your partners prefer to use certain language. Or maybe they don't want to have sex at all. You'll never know your wants, desires, and, and you'll never know if your wants, desires, and boundaries are compatible with theirs unless you ask. No, I don't want y'all asking my daughter about any of that. And once again, furthermore, how many toppings do you think these kids have had in middle school? Middle school, I would hope these kids are virgins. Okay, just plain cheese pizzas. Matter of fact, no cheese, no tomato sauce, just raw dough. You know, that hasn't even been put in the oven yet. All right? Amanda, who is a parent from that school district, took to social media to express her disgust with the assignment. Let's listen to Amanda. Just last week, a school assignment in JFK labeled Pizza and Consent was sent out for students. What's pizza got to do with it, you wonder? We can use pizza as a metaphor for sex. Those are the first two lines of this assignment, which is centered around establishing consent and boundaries, except for page two, where it takes it one step further and states, now that you know the metaphor for sex, let's explore your preference. Draw and color your favorite type of pizza. Mirror these preferences in relation to sex. Here are some examples. Likes, cheese equals kissing. Dislikes, no. olives equals giving oral. Since when it has become acceptable for a teacher to ask a student what their sexual wants, desires, and boundaries are? Maybe our board members would like to answer this assignment and share their thoughts, just like our eighth grade students were requested to do. Now, of course, the school is currently backtracking. Superintendent Christopher Driesick says it was a mistake and the assignment has, had been inadvertently sent to the students. Basically, they are claiming they sent the pizza to the wrong house. OK, he said while the assignment was inappropriate, there was no hidden agenda. He said while addressing the parents, there was no secret cabal to indoctrinate kids on something. Let me tell you, man, if you know, you have to you know, explain that there's no secret cabal to indoctrinate kids. If a school superintendent has to explain that, all right, then my kids might be in the wrong school, all right? An explanation like that is just, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like this assignment is prompting kids to become sexually active before their time. And what does pizza have to do with consent? I still don't even know that, all right? Choosing what to put on your pizza when you are ordering with a group is hard enough by itself. Now you're trying to make it a metaphor for sex? And even after it's been explained, I still don't know what any of this has to do with consent. All right? Just talk to these kids. They're young adults. Speak to them as such. I promise they can handle it. But pizza as a metaphor for consent, they cannot. And what's the topping for anal? Huh? Please give uh, John F. Kennedy Middle School in Connecticut the biggest he, huh? My kids ain't eating pizza no more. <laughs> That's what you got out of that. That's what you got out of that. That's what huh? I got out of that. That's what you got out of that. 
chicken fingers and french fries all day long. Jesus Christ. The Breakfast Club. Power 105.1. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the... From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Building! Ricky 
Lake. The legend. The oh. legend. Good You're too Good kind. Good morning. Nice to see you. you. Oh, well, funny you should mention that. I'm doing a new show where I'm doing a podcast with my old show called Raised by Raised Ricky. Raised by Ricky. Yeah, wow. what do you think? I think that's a great idea. I'm, I just realized what the concept is just now when you said it, because I just thought it was going to be, you know, you doing a podcast, you know, talking about current events, but it, you're reliving the show. Yeah, we're going to go back in time and break down these episodes. Wow. I mean, because, you know, Lemonada Media is an amazing podcast company. These women are badasses, and they approached me. And I, you know, I've been asked to do a podcast, as everyone has over the years. And I was like, mm, no. We, t- Abby Epstein, my partner, and I, good morning, we Abby. talked about good morning, it. Good morning. My filmmaking partner, I'm so happy she's here. But no, this concept, something about, you know, first of all, it's a 30, this year's 30 years that I did the pilot of the Ricky Lake Jesus show. Wow. Christ, so I was 20. Three years old when I did the pilot. I'm now 53. So, you know, it was really interesting to me. I think what we were able to do back then, I didn't think of it at the time as groundbreaking, but the issues we were able to cover, Mm -hmm. um, the way we treated gay people, the way we treated mixed race couples, the way we, you know, it was just, we covered a lot of bases. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be really interesting to go back with the lens of now, where we are now. Have we made progress? Have we gone backwards? And we're going to have a co-host that's Gen Z, that's probably, you know, someone who's non-binary, certainly a person of color, Mm -hmm. and who didn't grow up with me, Mm. and kind of tell the story and bring back old guests, old experts, and uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. You know what I love about shows like Ricky Lake, even Donahue back in the day, even early Oprah? Y'all sat down with people you had differences with. You sat down with people you may not have agreed with. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, if you do that, they'll call you problematic. I, I don't understand that. I don't either. I mean, I, and that's why I'm glad I don't have the show that I had back then now. It just feels like you're walking on eggshells no matter what you do. You're going to piss someone off. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just think it, it's it's going to be a, a cool experiment. I mean, I think we're all nostalgic for that time, the 90s, and uh, I'm, I'm up for it. No, I'm I'd love to see it. you and Arsenio do that. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. No, before but we didn't ask one question. What's that? How are you? I'm amazing. Oh, yeah. I am the best me I have ever been. You know, which is like I did that show and my name was on the rug and mm. I didn't really have a sense of who I was. And I mm. think in making these documentaries that I've been making with Abby for more than 15 years, mm-hmm. I've really come into a place of like knowing who my voice and what I believe in and what I stand for. And I've now, you know, gone dark. I lost my partner five years ago to mm, bipolar and suicide, but mm-hmm. I've now, five years later, met the man of my dreams, and I just got married two months ago. I'm, I'm living my best life. Thank you so much. How are you, Abby? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be with this woman. We just had our double feature premiere last night, mm-hmm. and we watched this movie we made 14 years ago wow. in the same theater that it premiered in at the IFC Center, Business of Being Born. And we just both sat there with my son, who's now 15, who was born in the movie. Wow. And like we had chills the whole time, you know, because we were watching this going, I can't believe that we made this in 2008. It still holds up. It was powerful. Uh, I was it was say, a powerful. Let's start from the beginning. Before you guys met, what made you start the Ricky Lake show? You were only 24 years old. What said, what, what made you think, this is what I want to do? You want to know the honest truth? Absolutely. It was the job that came along. Honestly, I had been a guest. I don't. You guys are younger than me, but um, I was Not a by guest. Much. Uh, well, I'm 53, and I was. I'm 43. I, was, I did okay. I did hairspray when I was 18, mm-hmm. and I Letterman. David Letterman was a big fan of John Waters, and so he would have me on over and over again, kind of like Sandra Bernhard back then. And it was from those appearances that they thought of me. They were uh, this guy Garth Ansier was a kind of media whiz. He wanted to do a younger show because he looked at Oprah and Donahue, and they were skewing over fifty-five. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to do something to skew towards younger women, primarily women eighteen to thirty-four, eighteen to forty-nine. 
So they went on a search, and I was one of 100 women at that time. I went and flirted with three gay guys. <laughs> I didn't know they were gay, but I just <laughs> I just brought out my skills. And they gave me the pilot. And I was, like, so broke at that time. I was living in a pool house in the valley north of Victory. If anybody knows where that is, no one spoke English. And I, you know, I was kind of couldn't get my agent to call me back. And I got this opportunity. I was like, all right, I'll do it for $5,000. I needed my rent paid for a year, and I'll do, do it for that. Luckily, we renegotiated, and it turned into this phenomenon, and it wasn't a calculated move. Every step of my career, including the business of being born, is never yep. coming from a place of like seeing the big picture. Mm -hmm. It's really about, yeah. all right, that sounds good. I could do it. Um, so I think I have this confidence in me and also this like naivety, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's worked out. So the first time you, you got $5,000 to do the show? Well, yeah. Yeah, I did. But the first season, so then my agent did get involved and they so, packaged the so show, the of course. the first season was $5,000? No, the pilot. Oh, okay. The, the pilot, pilot okay, was initially, okay. that was my opening bid was I'll do it for $5,000. Mm -hmm. And then the first year, you know, at my salary, I don't remember what it was, but at the end of the first year, the show was such a huge success. This is 1993. Mm -hmm. They gave me a bonus of a half a million dollars. Wow. Really? Yes. A lot of money in 93. A lot of That was a, a lot, lot of money, money for Ricky yeah. Lake. Like, I was broke. I My house was foreclosed at that time. Yeah, I was needing that money. And it was, you know, that show, it was, I mean, it was just my life. Like, I didn't have the concept like I'm 24 years old I don't even know who I am you know mm -hmm. who like, like the audacity to get on that stage and moderate these panels but I think looking back at it I, I, I was I was the perfect kind of person for that role because I was a good listener you know mm -hmm. I was very forthcoming about my own you know hardships I'm curious yeah. I'm so fascinated by people I don't judge people and so I think and you're those so are... real. You're so real. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anybody who meets Ricky, any of my friends, anyone who meets Ricky in five minutes, they go, that woman has the biggest heart. and She's just so real. Like, you don't meet a lot of celebrities that are like that anti-celebrity quality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what worked on that show. Yeah, the show was a party. You know, it was just like, mm -hmm. you know, the people that came to our show, they waited months and months and months to get tickets back then. And... It, you know, it was always surprising. I mean, it was a little formulaic, I have to admit. Like, I knew, you know, I knew from the names, I could tell, okay, this is a black story. The first guests, the first guests were always the most outrageous, mm -hmm. you know, and then we'd have the white story, and then we'd, you know, we'd balance it out. Um, but I feel like we, we did do a lot of good. Like, we, mm -hmm. you know, we, we definitely saw people, and many times at their worst, but I feel like I treated everyone equally. I treated everyone with compassion and... It was a good time. It you, was, you said something earlier that was interesting. You said, um, you know, it says a lot, right, about what women had to go through because you're obviously talented. But you say you had to flirt with the executives mm. <laughs> to get. I didn't. I don't think it was a prerequisite. It was just okay. my. It was my <laughs> mo. Yeah. But I mean, did, did women feel that way, or was that just? Something? Well, I wasn't even like I was. You know, very like heavy set, and I you know wore a big flower hat. Probably. I mean, I didn't have a really a game. I didn't have any yeah, game yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. But I knew how to be charming and appealing, and it worked. It worked in my favor. But um, yeah, that's the only game I know. Mm. I was gonna ask, how did you guys meet? Mm. Create this business. How was that? <laughs> so funny. You tell them. Okay. So I was directing a show. Do you remember the show, The Vagina Monologues? Yeah. 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 Do you remember that? That was also like started in the in the was that 90s. HBO? No, they... they made an HBO. Yeah. Okay. HBO did okay. a special, but it was a play off Broadway. Ran for a really long time. Um, and so originally we had three actresses that would rotate every two weeks. So every two weeks, three celebrities would come in, and I would put them into the play. Mm -hmm. And Ricky came in one week. And like I said, she's so real, you know, like most of these celebrities, you know what I mean? I don't really want to get drinks with them after. I just want to do mm -hmm. my job mm -hmm. and go home. And then Ricky and I rode the bus home together. 
And she just had me on the floor. Like, she just had me at hello. And so we met. And then um, I guess this was like years later. This was We met in like 99 had... or 2000. I got pregnant with my second son. And then yeah. I was wanting a home birth. Like, I, I was you know, getting educated about my options. And so I was telling her, and she's like, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. And then I got divorced. 9-11 was a huge turning point for me where I was living downtown. And I, I you know, I thought we were going to die. I watched the second plane hit the building. And I, in that moment of, of being on the roof of my building with my four-year-old, and I had a two-month-old at the time, I said, I'm leaving. If I get out of this, you know, alive, I'm leaving New York, I'm leaving this job, and I'm leaving this man. Wow. And I moved to L.A. It took a year and a half. I had to finish my contract. I didn't end up quitting my show, per se, but I ended. I didn't renew my contract that back then. And I wanted to start a new life, and that's when I started soul-searching about what, where I, what I wanted to do, where I could make a difference, and we made the business of being born. But, you know, mm-hmm. I had her come out. You can't, I said, you got to come out and see my fat house in Brentwood. Yeah, come over I, and see my new life. Yeah, I, like, basically stopped at her new house, like, on, on my way back to LAX, missed my flight because we started talking. Mm-hmm. And I had made one documentary at that point about violence against women, and I, I knew how to roughly make a documentary. And she was like, I have this idea for this project. It's about midwifery and home birth. And I was like, this does not sound commercial. This does not sound like a, like mm-hmm. a hot seller. I had no idea what a midwife was. And then she whipped out her little video camera. My, my nine-hour home birth video on my little, you know, camcorder. And I yeah. gave it to her. And I said, here, you, I hadn't even watched it. I gave it to yeah. her and gave her a couple of books. And she came back and she goes, I think we can make a documentary. And then the yeah. magic of this film, it took three and a half years to make, is she got pregnant two years into the making of the film. Mm-hmm. And then her That's story, right. her dramatic story of her birth is, in the, yeah, is so the end of the film. That was intense last night when we were watching it again. And Ricky's there with her new husband, Ross, who's never seen the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm there with my son, who's born in the movie, who's never seen the movie. My ex is sitting in front of me. It was like, and he shot the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really intense. But yeah, so we both we both give birth, essentially, in that movie. So it's a really rare kind of documentary where it's a personal piece right. about the filmmakers, and then it's also like a very political piece, and it's still so relevant. What took so long for it to come out? Oh, three and a half years? It oh. Because that's how long they make. No, yeah. this, this pr- one that we just released oh, last night, the business of, be- of birth control, took yep. seven years. That's what I'm saying. What took seven. That's how long they... We started it in 2015. Because 2015... First of all, you guys, nobody wants to give you any money to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> and especially if you're like, oh, we want to talk about women's health. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, we want to talk about like how crappy the birth control pill is. Yeah, I don't think I want to fund that. I mean, it's controversial. Um... There's no celebrity in it. And Big Pharma has their hands on everything. So for us to get into sort of mainstream media, there's all this backlash, you know? Yeah, you're not going to get... Coach Jessie's, I know, friend of of your show, Mm -hmm. and she's she's, uh, heavily in our film. She's in the movie. We love her. But like... This message, it's like Netflix, HBO, they're, they're not going to make this movie with us. There's no way. With what we want to say in the business of birth control, there's no way. So, you know, you start in 2015, you do a Kickstarter, you get a little chunk of money, you make a sizzle reel. You know, you just, it's like, and then we did this movie, Weed the People, in 2018. So we had like another movie in the middle of the movie. And that's that about cannabis. Had, that's about yeah, cannabis. Yeah, that's about cannabis and children with cancer. And then... um so yeah, it just it takes a while, and also because like when you're making these films, these films take so much work, right? But they're also your side hustle in a way. Like 
nobody's paying you, you know, at the time. So you're just like working on them when you can. One at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just like passion projects. They are passion but they're, projects, for sure. They always come out at the right time. Like, right. I think the business of birth control releasing now, like, this is the moment for it. Yeah, especially with women's, you know, reproductive rights, yeah. you know, being stripped, stripped away right. by these GOP people. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what is the business of birth control? Mm-hmm. We well in the same way. Did you ever see the business of being born? No, I haven't. Uh, I urge you to because mm-hmm. it's yeah. really you know we take a hard look at what birth you know the birthing world, the medical system when it comes to birth. And the same thing we look at the pill, the history of the pill, the racist piece of mm-hmm. it. Did you know that they tested? You tell they tested the drug, the pill initially on on black and brown women mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think that at the end of the day it's sort of like you can equate the business of birth control to in a way the opiate epidemic you know it's really profits over people um it's it's the way you know we know women's bodies have been co-opted and controlled and exploited for years so like ricky was saying we we, the film covers a lot of ground it's it's truly Mm mind-blowing i think people sit there for 90 minutes and they're like i didn't know any of this shit like i literally didn't know anything in your movie so one thing is we look at some of the products that are out there, like the NuvaRing, that's had a lot, a lot of women die on it. And you never hear about any of that. You no. never hear about any of it because you get gag orders when you accept settlements. Mm. Oh. So when the drug company settles with all these victims, they're then not allowed to do any promotion. So the stories in our film are the families who they wouldn't settle. Take, yeah, they didn't, they didn't take money. the money because they want to change the labeling on these products. They don't want other girls to die. Um, so we tell that story. And then, like Ricky was saying, you know, we look back in time over the way birth control has been tied into eugenics, the way that it's always been used to, you know, weaponize basically against communities of color, um, how obstetrics was literally founded on slavery in Africa. The pill was tested on women in Puerto Rico. And on and on and on. Um, and then we also look at, in a positive way, you know, we look at this new generation that does not want to take the pill that their grandmothers took. Mm-hmm. Um, they're woke. They're ecological. They don't want to put, you know, endocrine hormones. Disruptors. Yeah, endocrine disruptors in their body. And so if the pharmaceutical companies aren't going to come along with, like, healthier options, they're going to make them up. You know, we're going to invent them. So you look at all these cool femtech entrepreneurs, and in a way, I think, you know, the younger generation, it's like they're they're kind of a do-it-yourself generation. They're not going to rely on these big companies. And so, you know, we look at all the innovation that's happening, which mm-hmm. is super cool. Mm-hmm. Did it explore any of uh, Margaret Sanger? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and that happened during the making of the film. It happened during the theme. film, which was interesting. Yeah, so we originally, I remember, like, Gloria Steinem saw an early cut, and, you know, everyone was worried about that Margaret Sanger legacy. Like, oh, you're going to take her down. I think we're really fair to her in the movie, but then at the end of the movie, we, we show an update about how Planned Parenthood in New York City took her name off the clinic. So, you know, that it's not so, like, they... Planned Parenthood finally had to come out mm-hmm. and say, you know, let's be transparent. Like, we cannot be identified mm-hmm. with our founder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, that's why I think the timing of the movie was so good, because I think having that conversation about Margaret Sanger five years ago wouldn't have happened. Like, we would have gotten a lot of pushback. Yeah, my wife doesn't like birth control. That's why I get a vasectomy now. Because we just had our fourth daughter. Bless she's you. six months old. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Congrats. she refuses to get back on birth control because it makes her sick. She hates it. 
Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. awful. Like all the options are terrible. And you go out there and talk to anybody and they will tell you their birth control journey and they'll tell you every product they used and how depressed it made them or how they lost mm-hmm. their sex drive or how they got In fat. In my case, I mean, I had hair loss. I don't know if you know. I shaved yeah. my yeah. head a couple years ago. I was dealing with I mean, my hair is pretty much... It came back, but I attributed... Oh, so that was because of the birth control. Well, that's part of it. I mean, okay. I think it's a lot of yeah. things. I was putting extensions in my hair. I was coloring my hair. I was stressed about my hair. I have androgenetic uh, alopecia, which is the you know genetic hair loss over years. Yeah, it was all of the above, but definitely birth control. If you mess control. with your hormones, think about it, you know? And it's like what we say in the film is like sometimes now these kids are getting put on 12, 13 years old for acne, for cramps, mm-hmm. you know, like... You'll see with your daughters, it's like you you got to make these decisions, right? When you have like a 13-year-old, 14-year-old that's like, oh, but my period cramps are so bad. And then the doctor's saying, well, just put her on the pill. That'll take care of everything. That's how they treat everything. Wow. And um, and that's, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it for the new generation. So I think it's like, you know, two things. One is there's a lot of things that people are getting put on the pill for that have nothing to do with birth control, right? Mm-hmm. Acne. Um, PCOS, PCOS, right? So we need actual treatments Mm -hmm. for these conditions. (laughs) We need studies to happen on women. Studies, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, we need to be more educated about the menstrual cycle so that there's other ways to intervene and relieve cramps or whatever the issues are. Mm -hmm. Because what's happening is these girls are going on at like 12, 13, 14. They're not really, you know, their hormones are not really developing. They're on something that's cut, like basically putting them into menopause at 13. Yikes. And they're not, and they're staying on it. Then mm-hmm. they stay on it for maybe 10, 20 years. I mean, these drugs were not designed or FDA approved to be on for 20 for long-term years. Use. Yikes. Did you know that when you're on these drugs, it changes your pheromones? Yes. It changes who you're attracted to. They do this T-shirt test that was out of what mm-hmm. Sweden or something? Scotland. Yeah. So it's actually your your so your pheromones. You know, it's like how you you can smell out attraction, right? Mm-hmm. So you know how if you like have sex with certain people, you like their smell, you mm-hmm. don't like their smell, right? That smell is actually giving your body information about their DNA. It's actually telling you whether you're going to make healthy offspring with that person. Wow. wow. And when you go on these birth control products, it takes that like animal sense offline. So you can't smell anymore. So they say, like, for women, the line is you're going to be attracted to someone who's more like brother than other. So you're attracted to more maybe kind of feminine men, you know, men that aren't don't have that kind of opposite polarity. Mm-hmm. And um, so you hear this a lot anecdotally, right, that women either go like are with a partner, decide they need some protection, go on the pill, suddenly they're not attracted anymore. Mm. Or the opposite. Or the opposite. When they go off to family plan, they suddenly are not into their guy. Oh, y'all about to make YouTube conspiracy thing go crazy. <laughs> YouTube conspiracy is about to go crazy. So listen, can it help you can it make you change your what gender you like as well? No. Oh no. Oh no. Okay. All right, they won't go that crazy. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> okay. Are you talk about your hair condition. So how how did you get your hair back healthy? So I you okay. So I think it's a lot of things. Like I said, I don't stress anymore. I I mean, when I shaved my head in grand fashion at the turn of 2020, I mean, I did it in a way. Like, can you curse on this show? Yeah, sure. Okay. I said fuck it. Like I was so done with struggling about my hair. It was my deep, dark secret. Every time I looked in the mirror, I could see my scalp and it just it just drove me crazy and the extensions were pulling. I'm sure many of your, much of your audience knows what that's like. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it was painful and it was because I was a public figure and because I'm so outspoken and honest and authentic, I 
this was this piece of myself that I was hiding, and I just decided, all right, I'm going to rock a bald head. I, you know, I don't know how it's going to look. My friends were telling me, don't worry, you can do it. You're going to be able to pull it off. And I just did it and gave up. And then I came into finding this product that I'm now an ambassador of. I've never taken an endorsement in my 30-plus year career. It's called Heart Clinic, and it's a shampoo and extract and something about the fermentation. I can't explain it, but it's non-toxic, and it's helped my hair to be as healthy as it, as it can be. Now, you know where I'm going next. Were you offended mm-hmm. by Chris Rock's joke mm. towards Jada Pinkett Smith? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was more offended loss? by his actions. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, by, by Will Smith's actions. Okay. I mean, like I used to say on my old show, violence is never the answer. And the fact that it went to that extreme, I mean, nothing, nothing that comes out of anyone's mouth justifies a physical altercation. Mm-hmm. But I also did feel for Jada in that moment because I, I, I would hate to be the butt of that joke if someone were. And that was one of my fears when I did shave my head. Like, mm-hmm. I... I didn't. I didn't know what the reaction would be, and mm-hmm. I, 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 I couldn't think that far ahead. But I was so scared of people making fun of me or calling me names. So I definitely, it definitely struck a nerve for me because I think women suffering with that condition, mm-hmm. um, it's not funny. What if he but, didn't know? What? Yeah, no, no. I, I think yeah, I mean, there's a lot to the story. I mean, we're all speculating, but mm-hmm. I think there was a history with them and and the Oscars. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I saw it's... this morning that her 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 reaction to the slap after the slap, she sort of smiled. I mean, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But I know for me personally, definitely a joke about a woman's hair loss is not is not funny. How have you, how have you been doing mentally? Because we talk about a lot of the things, right? We talk about your husband that, that took his life and the hair loss and everything that you've been going through. How have you been doing? And how have you been coping? Well, now, I mean, now I'm literally in the happiest place in my entire life, which says a lot because I've been a really happy person. I've had a blessed, you know, abundant life and career. Um, my kids are great. I mean, that's really the start. It's like you're only as happy as your least happy child. And both my kids and my four stepchildren are all great right now. And my my new husband is just a dream. So, I, you know, I feel like I've been given a second lease on life. You know, mm-hmm. after losing Christian, I mean, I, 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 I never thought I could be as low as that. I mean, the, the level of despair, um, I had to be literally physically picked up off the floor. And I remember, I mean, this was just five years ago. I would force myself, I had a dog, and I would force myself to walk outside at the beach and smile at the sun and find gratitude, find something to be grateful for. And I, you know, there were dark, dark days. I never thought I'd be in a place of peace and happiness. Mm-hmm. And um, I really am. Like I just, like I said, when we first started, I, it's like, I feel like I'm the best me that I've ever been. I really right. know myself. I really love myself. I've, you know, through this journey of sh- shaving my head, and I mean, that was the, a badass move, and I, 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 I came out of it okay, you know. So, like, all of it has been a journey. I'm 53, and and I guess when you turn 50, you kind of get a sense of who you, who you are, and also you don't care what people think as much. Right. Yeah, I don't really mm-hmm. care what people think of me. I know my side of the street is clean. I'm a good person, and I appreciate every day. So, to answer your question, I'm great. How do, how does <laughs> how does one uh, allow themselves to the, the love again and be loved mm. after something like that. Mm. I've always felt that I've been like deserving of love. You know, I think I chose partners um, that either were physically a certain way. So I felt better about myself. I chose partners that needed me. That, so I f- saw my value in that. I, they needed fixing or they needed taking care of. I mean, this is the first time in my entire life. And I've had many I've been, this is my third marriage where I'm with someone who's my equal. Mm-hmm. Who brings as much to the to the to the relationship as I bring, and that I think comes down to like self self worth and self love. Was there was there any guilt? Because I'm sure people will say to you, 
Oh, five years. That wasn't long, but who were they to say that? Oh, yeah. That was a long five years. It was a long five years, and I don't care what anybody has to say. Like, I, 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 and I continue to, to honor this, this man that I lost. I mean, he was, he was my greatest teacher to this Mm -hmm. day. He's my greatest teacher. Christian Evans Mm -hmm. was so special and Mm -hmm. so ill. And I didn't even know what bipolar was when, mm, when I got right. with him. I'd never experienced it. I, you know, he told me when we met, he's like, oh, I was diagnosed bipolar. And I was like, oh, yeah, and I'm a control freak. We all have our things. You know, I, <laughs> I didn't understand what a manic episode was. And so, you know, with Kanye, I mean, I, like, I really, I, re- I, just, I just know that the, to be the loved one going through that and, um, you know, losing Christian the way I did. I mean, for me, the trauma was the episode, the first episode mm-hmm. versus the suicide, mm-hmm. because seeing your loved one change on a dime and and become so destructive and and so, like, just someone I didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, yeah, I've done a lot of work in these five years, and um, and I think also with Ross, my my husband now. I mean, it's like I deserve him. You know, it's mm-hmm. really like I, I know my value and I, I, I really just, I called him in, you know, I manifested him and I, you know, just, just, Ooh. I, yeah, I, I relish this time in my life in this relationship. You've lived, you've lived all the big pop culture stories of the past 30 years. <laughs> yeah. oh, like, like, like literally. I have. I mean, it's, it's all true. so sort of, it resonates, you know, I mean, the Oscars, like I, you know, I was going on Monday, I did a promotional for this hair company that I've been working with. And it's the night before that that happened with the joke, you know, it's just, yeah, it feels like my life, my life is a movie. It really, it really is. It's so true. You have lived them all, and also, you know, she she speaks about them. Like she's gone to give talks on mm. on mental, mental health. health, and yeah, yes. and I think that that's, um, you know, it's. I think just being a witness to what she went through with Christian, you, you know, that kind of bipolarity, it is so tricky. It is so tricky because it doesn't present as an illness, like. It sometimes presents first as if the person's actually doing great because mm-hmm. you don't realize that they're ascending toward that that mania, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's you can't intervene. You can't tell somebody, oh, I think you're a little, you know, it's it's it, it was it was an impossible situation. It was like you guys did everything, tried everything, therapy, drugs. I mean, I just that's what's I super frustrating to, to everybody have dealing with the this. resources to have the money Ugh. and I tried to save him I saved him twice and mm-hmm. I couldn't save him a third time wow. and you know yeah I, I I'm a fixer you know mm-hmm. I'm someone that like really does like like mm-hmm. you know create like you know mm-hmm. and I couldn't and it was really really hard to come to terms with that I'd love to hear some of those practices you talked about you know you, you, I'm big on mental health and mm-hmm. mindfulness and I heard you say you you manifested you know, Ross, like, what are some of the things you do on a daily? I mean, no, on a daily. I was going to mention ayahuasca. I do not do that I, on the daily. I want to. I yeah. can't, not, not on a daily, but I can't wait to do it. It's calling me. They say don't oh. do it until it's calling you. It's yeah, calling exactly. Me. It has yeah. to be a calling. And the first time I did it, I did it with Christian. And I did it because he was doing it, and I didn't want him to do it without me. That is not the reason to do it. It was a horrible <laughs> experience. But I've done it now about 14 times over a period of the last 10 years. And um, what, oh my. What, is, what does it feel like for people that don't know? Well, it's mm. it's a... It's awful. <laughs> it's going to hell and back. Really? I mean, it's literally going to the darkest, darkest. I mean, oh my gosh! And every time has been so different. I did it, it back in Ibiza. I did it, did it in Northern California. I did it in Topanga. I've, I've done it all over. And you know, my, my mostly my intention. You have to set an intention. And my intention to do it was letting go. And 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 I did it once after Christian passed. Twice after Christian passed away. And you get these messages. You get these downloads. Mm-hmm. And you 
you see God. I mean, you you, Everybody you see says God. It. it is one time in particular that that I, I was with Christian. I was up in Northern California mm, under the redwoods, and we were outside. And it was during the day. It was the only time I ever did it in daylight. And I remember just being on the ground, like praying, bowing, and and I could literally see and feel the Earth's heartbeat in my hands pulsating. Ooh. And it, oh my, you got. I mean, I have just just talking about it brings you back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's medicine. They say you do ten years of therapy in one night of ayahuasca, mm-hmm. and I I think that's. I remember that's the true. plant. That was the time the plant told you, let him go. Yes, let you have to go. let him go. You have to let him go. I mean, I've had, so, yeah, it's been, I mean, I, I'm not called to do it again right now, but I certainly, mm-hmm. it's it's very powerful medicine. I've also done combo, mm-hmm. I've done that mm-hmm. twice. I've done, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like a seeker. Combo is the frog poison. Oh, right? toad. No, it's not yeah. the 5-MAO-DMT. It's okay. what they, they burn your skin, the, the top layer of your skin, and they put the medicine in. And it it does a scan. It's supposedly be uh, the strongest natural antibiotic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can heal you from so many different ailments. So I've done. I mean, I'm I'm like a seeker. I'm I'm curious, and I I'm always up for growth. So I'm trying to think of the other things I've mm. done. What have I done? Oh, Burning Man. Yeah. I I started What's going that? to Burning You're... Man. What's Burning Man? <laughs> you do. I don't know about Burning Man. But You're just joking. Burning Man. Burning Man feels like white freak Nick. It's, it is for everyone. Is it is Burning Man it's, is a is it? I, a I, I can't say a desert. festival. It is not a festival. It is a city a that takes place over a week. You have never heard of Burning Man. I have. All my friends. All my like. Uh, I'm gonna go, to, go to Burning the Man. Best place in the world. I, I'm going. I'm bringing. You know heard of Burning Man? Oh my goodness! You need to Google it, my friend. It's it's like Bob Pittman. All of them go yeah, every yeah, year. Yeah, I, like, I know yeah. Bob yeah. and Veronique, and yeah, I, I mean, it's it's it's. It's a place where you go and you are in that moment. You are present. You are free. Mm-hmm. You engage with people. It's a, it's a city. There's no exchange of currency or anything. You bring gifts, but you give gifts, mm-hmm. um, and you don't do it for anything other than giving. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, it's people are are at their highest vibe at Burning Man. Well, it's, a, it's a place where they call drugs medicines. That's all you need to know. Uh, pff, <laughs> but you don't have to do drugs. You do, you do not. <laughs> they have AA meetings on the playa. You do not have to I'm do kidding, anything yeah. you don't want to do, but it's like magic happens on the playa. I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm sounding too No, I'm going to go one day. My, my, my homie Andrew Schultz goes all the time. He was like, you got to call me to Burning Man one year. <laughs> I'm gonna go on you. If you're called to do it, I, I urge you to go. I haven't been called. I'll see on Playa. Yeah. I've been called to do ayahuasca, but not burning. Me. Uh, let me just tell you, the Playa is a lot more fun. Yeah. What is pl- Playa? Is a plant-based. The Playa, no, the Playa is for Burning Man. They call it. That's oh. the, the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the land. Yeah. Now you did 12 seasons of the Ricky Lake. 11. 11 seasons. Oh well, 11, and then I went back and did a new version of the show. Yes. I that only ran for one year, but I I won the Emmy that year. And you said you walked away from it. I did the first show. I just okay. didn't renew. Yeah, I mean, it had kind of run its course. Nine eleven had happened. I just I wanted to get out of New York. I was going through a divorce. I mean, it just it just kind of fell apart. I mean, it, you know, Maury just ended his show. I mean, I feel like I could have had a run like that. No, I, I not your I'm personality. No, 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 no. I love Maury, but I, I, yeah, eleven years was enough for the first show. The second show, I wanted to do more of a Donahue type show. Mm-hmm. That was my my concept. I wanted to be the elevated content, more provocative and thought provoking, and it didn't turn out to be that. What was the difference between the first run and the second run? Because like you say, you want you want to end. One for was the successful. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the first one. I mean, I think the timing of the first one and being in New York at that time was magic. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the second one. I was in bed with the wrong company, I think. The, the executive that was in charge of my production. We had different visions. You know, he wanted a different mm-hmm. type of show than I wanted to do. And I, you know, it goes back to making the business of being born with Abby. I kind of have a sense of who I am in right. a way that I didn't back then. And, uh, yeah, so it was just, you know, 
in bed with you the You did wrong some good shows, though. You really did. We did. We did. Season. I actually did a show on suicide, which is so interesting because I didn't have, I didn't have a history, like I didn't know that mm-hmm. at the time, but I was called to do it. And mm-hmm. I fought so hard. He said it was never going to rate. It was never going to. And I felt like we needed to do it, and and it was one of the shows I'm I'm really mm-hmm. proud of. Wow, yeah. how, how 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 difficult is it for any person to have a successful daytime talk show? Oh my God, I think it's near impossible. I mean, in the time that I did my show, eleven years, and we used to go to the Natby convention every year, and there'd be, you know, a dozen, half a dozen new shows come and go, and they, you know, they'd mm-hmm. last for, you know, not very long. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a rare talent. Like it's like yeah. I don't think it's something that was taught to me. I think it was like yeah. a natural fit you know, for me. But um, it's, a, it's a unique relationship, I think, that you have with the world. More than being an actor on a TV show, I feel like because Ricky was in everybody's living room and people ran home from school at 3 o'clock every day to watch Ricky Lake, watch Ricky Lake, like literally... You know, I can see just from traveling the world with her, like we'll be in some hotel lobby in Australia and like, you know, like 10 gay men will come up to her like sobbing, you know, and say, oh, my God, you you validated us and you don't know what you meant. And, you know, I, and I think that they have a different relationship with her just because the nature of that show. It's mm-hmm. like it's like she was the perspective of the audience. You know yeah. what I mean? Like wow. she was she was sort of your lens into this like world of, of madness. So it's it's interesting to see. I've never really seen um, I've never really seen anybody where. It's kind of like her fans appreciate her in a way. Like yesterday, we're walking down the street and people are screaming her name down the street in New York. That's Ricky Lake. I saw you on Wendy Williams this morning. Hi, Ricky. Hi, Ricky. Like she just feels Mm -hmm. approachable, Mm -hmm. more approachable in that way because I think we lose sense of how many people grew up on her. Like it was one of the original formats. And I think the 90s, Celebrity actually meant something in the yes. name. Yes. It doesn't yes. anybody can. Seems like a celebrity you can look a, yes. you can lick the bottom of a toad's foot now and be a TikTok star. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. celebrity yeah. meant something in yes. the nineties. And it feels like everyone or a lot of people have an agenda. Like mm-hmm. it's like it's whether yeah. to sell a product or mm-hmm. push some you know and I guess in a way we are pushing our, but our thing is to help women. You know, oh, our like documentary, our, our documentary, our, our big... it's like, it's, yeah, <laughs> we, you know, but yeah, celebrity has changed. I agree, and and just the tone that, like, like, I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know if you ever like second guess what you're about to say for fear of like like backlash or something. But I feel like I was able to say, you know, I I didn't have to like censor myself before like, I say about it. Getting canceled. You know? Yeah. And we've been canceled a million times. We've, I mean, we've been doing it for 12 years. So yeah. it's like things have changed over the but past But has it shifted in these 12 <laughs> oh, years? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's things that they try to go back and cancel us for. But yeah. when we <laughs> said it back ago. then, it was yeah. nothing, right, you know? Right, right, right. So it's just, that's the weirdest part to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody wants to have the conversation about how culture shifted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to hold people yep. accountable for things they said yeah. in public forums. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, culture no, shifted. Exactly. Right. And I, I felt like that last night when we watched both our movies back to back, you know, and we were watching this movie we made 14 years ago and I, I'm a little nervous watching it, you know, just for mm-hmm. that reason. Because you're sitting there like, oh, did, did we have enough people of color in the movie? Oh, God, we just said something about Britney Spears in the movie. You know, you know mm-hmm. things that like today might not fly. Mm-hmm. You know? I was going to ask, we always talk about the Mount Rushmore of things, right? Rushmore, Mount Rushmore of comedians. Mm. What's your Mount Rushmore of talk show host? <laughs> okay, Oprah for sure. Oprah, Donahue. I loved Donahue mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved Arsenio. I watched him every Oh, night. can we do late night too? We can talk oh, late night? Oh, sorry. Let's keep oh, it yeah. daytime. Oh, he daytime. did. Okay, yeah. daytime. 
Let me think. Oh, my God. Throw some names at me, and I'll tell you what I think of them. Um, Oprah Donnie was a good start. You yeah, got two yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sally. Sally. Sally, Jesse Raphael. Sally. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, oh, Montel. Montel was a good guy, too. Montel. Just did yeah. that show with him, remember? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's more. There's more, but I'm like, there were so many. Come on. You just was... did that reunion on Tamron Hall. Who was there? Oh, that was Rolando was there, and Montel was there. Mm-hmm. Rolando, yeah, when Tamron, when Tamron was up here like last week, and she said your name and Rolanda, and I was like, Rolanda. I mean, you know, of course, I didn't, I, just, I didn't think of Rolanda. I hadn't heard that name in a while. I was like, oh, shit, Rolanda. Uh-huh. I mean, Tempest Bledsoe had a show. Mm-hmm. Carney Wilson had a show. I mean, That's right. yeah, everyone Were those successful? No, I don't think so. Oh. I think they only ran for the a Queen year. Queen Latifah, she had a show too. Yeah. Queen Latifah, oh, yeah. yep, yep, yep. I mean, I, yesterday I went and did the Wendy Williams show without Wendy Williams, but it was in my old studio. Oh, wow. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I hadn't been back there in, like, 15 years, 16 years, something like that. I think that's Montel's old studio too, right? Yeah, Mon- uh, Montel, Maury was there too. Oh, it's okay. uh, the 26th Street Studios. But, yeah, it's all just, like, it just feels like these chapters in my life. And now with this new podcast I'm going to do, I get to go back. And right. I, think it'll be good. Yeah, I wonder with the Raised by Ricky podcast, what did it make you miss most about doing the Ricky Lake show? The money. <laughs> <laughs> the money. I mean, it was funny money. I didn't even like like getting a bonus of a half million dollars. Come on. Come on. That's and, like the budget of our entire documentary. <laughs> it was just it was crazy. Were you smart? Were you smart with your money or did you I'm okay, yes. Okay. I'm 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 just fine. Thank the, you. But the believe me. Thing you like, crypto. Crypto. <laughs> but that's not crazy. I don't I'm think kidding. that's crazy at it's all. I got crazy. in I relatively early, 2017. Oh, you got in early, early. So yeah. you're doing super well. But mama went big. Uh, you know, my guy calls me his, you know, uh-uh, Bitcoin wife. You know, <laughs> counting my Bitcoin. No, um, like a nine cow. It's a, it's a, my guy was an, is, is, was an ex-devout Mormon. So he brings up these, these Mormon. Anyway, anyway, it's. Uh, yeah. You did well. I, <laughs> I did okay. okay. I did not do like. Like, like Oprah. Oh, I love Rosie O'Donnell too. Rosie's a Rosie. great, mm-hmm. great, great friend of mine and a great talk show host. Um, yeah, I don't have like the money that that these other people have, but I'm also. <laughs> I saw Jim Carrey did an interview yesterday. He's retiring. He's like, and he said he has enough, and that's how I feel. I, I I don't come from a place of the work I do is not about the money I make now. It's really about putting out good work. That's good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate you guys for joining us. Well, Thank you so much. Well, I do want to ask one more question. Well, that? Two more. Do talk show hosts reach out to you to get tips? No. And if, and, they did. And, I'll tell you, Rosie and Ellen both called me before mm, they went and did mm. their shows because they wanted to know what the schedule was like, what how it worked. Um, not late, like no, not mm. not of late. I've been off the air doing. I haven't done my show in so long, but but um, I feel like I I do have some good pointers. Mm-hmm. And I would say the main thing is to be a good listener. That's you know, I think that's what I was best at is reacting to what I was seeing you know I didn't wear an IFB mm-hmm. and that's something they fought me on every year they just wanted you know the control room and the producers wanted to have mm-hmm. access to me and I didn't want anyone ever putting anything in my mouth you know so I would have cue cards if they needed me but I refused to have an IFB so I just I just love that yes that show back then I didn't really know who I was but um, but I was in the moment and present and tried to be kind and tried to have some fun and do some good I got one more question take us mm-hmm. water yeah. Just in case. <laughs> How does Ricky Lake want to be remembered? Oh my goodness. Um has a good time. I'm a good time. <laughs> I am. When I, <laughs> That's what you want on the tombstone. Yeah, I mean, Ricky well, Lake, she was a good time. I want, you know, I want my legacy like I it it 
it makes me happiest when people recognize me and know my work from the work I do with Abby, the business gotcha. of being born. These right. documentaries, I believe, are changing the world, making the world a better place. And they're the most personal projects, and they take a lot of work, a lot of effort. And I'm really proud of you them. You have shifted some culture. Yes, we have. we have. We have. Thank you guys for joining thank us. You so Abby, thank where, you so where, much. Thank you so much. Where can the documentaries be seen? Yeah. Yes, we're streaming. It, you can pre order now at thebusinessofbirthcontrol.com. We're self releasing it. So okay. we don't have a big studio behind us. You just go to thebusinessofbirthcontrol.com and it's going to be streaming April 8th. All right. And the Ricky Lake Raised by Ricky podcast? Starting October 2022. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Yep. Okay. Exactly. All righty. Well, thank it's the you. Breakfast Club. Thank you, Ricky Lake. Thank you, Abby. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. You got a positive note for the people? Uh, my positive note comes from Mr. Don Miguel Ruiz, who I love. He's an author I love, author of the Four Agreements, Fifth Agreements, uh, Mastery of Self, bunch of great titles. But he has a quote where he says, death is not the biggest fear we have. Our biggest fear is taking the risk to be alive, the risk to be alive and express what we really are. Go live today, people. Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done? I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.